open day. Open day. Open sarsaparilla. Open Saskatchewan. Well, here we are, Pismo Beach, and all the clams we can eat. What a way for a duck to travel underground. Hey, wait a minute. Since when is Pismo Beach inside a cave? I wonder... Uh, you know, I just think we should have turned left at Albuquerque. And then maybe a right turn at La Jolla. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Well, we can't be too far off. So if we, uh... It's mine, you understand? Mine! All mine! Get back in there! Down, down, down! Go, go, go! Mine, mine, mine! It is uh, 8 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of October in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, The Talker. Uh, this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along. That is from Alibaba Bugs right there. It was either I was either going to use that or something from Transylvania 65000, which is the Bugs Bunny cartoon where he's doing the Africa Pocus. Pocus. And the, the Dracula's underneath that brick because Bugs keeps turning him into a bat and then the brick keeps crushing him into the ground. And as Sarah pointed out, it's a little weird and surreal to listen to the audio from a Warner Brothers cartoon without actually being able to see the visual that goes along with it. But you were also correct when you pointed out they just spared no expense. Man, the soundtrack, I mean, the music, the, the vocal stylings, the sound effects, it's just fantastic. The gold standard, really. All right. And you got to figure, what time, when did you figure that came out? Like 40, the late 40s, early 50s? They, they started in the 40s, and they continued through the 50s. So, I mean, if you say, like, 1950, 1952, it's still pretty great that at that point you had animation. I mean, you had cartoons, which are still, I think, at that point thought, thought to be for children. Right. They were considered to be for the younger set. And yet they just didn't even care, and they just went all the way out on the limb and just made Daffy Duck a bastard. Just a bastard. I mean, they're making things for young people... And Daffy is busy packing bugs back inside of his hole and covering up with dirt because he wants to... And has that great line where he says, Since when is Pismo Beach inside a cave? Which is hilarious. You can also tell that those guys had a real intuitive sense of the comedy stylings that we now take for granted. Because when... The, when what's his name? Hassan or whatever is out in front of the, the cave. And you, know, you say, open sesame, but he can't remember it. And he goes right to all of those key comedy words. When he says uh, sarsaparilla, which is funny. Sarsaparilla is a funny word. He could have said root beer. I guess that's not with an ass. But, I mean, he could have said, like, soda. But he said sarsaparilla. You know why? Hilarious. He could have said, um, you know, he could have said Sienna. But instead he says Saskatchewan. You know why? That we also would have accepted Saskatoon. That's also funny. Uh, anyway. Later on, I didn't have time to get to this. He also says, open, uh, open septuagenarian, which is wonderful. 
All right. Uh, we are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for coming by. It's 503 733 You want to join us today? It is Wednesday. And welcome to Day 12. It is 503-733-2970. I think I speak for everybody when I say that Scotch and Soda by the Kingston Trio makes me want to get loaded right now. It'll find a dark bar and light a cigar and call your dame and tell her you're running late. Become a man in a gray flannel suit. That's exactly what I'm saying, Tim. Head for Madison Avenue. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503 503- 733-2970. You want to get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, ruminations, ponderings, two cents, what have ye? It is uh, 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, able, and I would say less grumpy today. Because today's one week since he quit smoking. I didn't, He did some chewing tobacco or whatever over the weekend, but he uh, no cigarettes for a week. And there was the time when he was, I mean, like Monday, he was in real bad shape. He was grouchy. He yelled at Dave Zinn, which is a thing. I mean, you know the yell at Dave Zinn. Dave Zinn is a fine young man. That's what I'm saying. Dave Zinn, Dave Zinn really is the backbone of this operation. He is the eyes and ears of this institution. Uh, you don't want to cross Dave Zinn. He'll kill you. He runs his place. Yeah. Along with Susan Reynolds. That's what I'm saying. Dave Zinn will have you disappeared. You'll end up in a drainage ditch. Uh, but anyway, so Richie's he's, he's back on his game today. He's back at about 60%. Not 100%. He's back at 60%. He's, he's above ground today. Uh, all right, CNR Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, who will be doing, by the way, her top five teenage moping songs Friday. Day after tomorrow, Lisa Desjardins' top five teenage moping songs. I've seen the list. It's genius. I'm sorry. Somebody said that I say genius too much. It's exemplary. Or, as they said in the 60s, it's gear. What else do we have? Uh, is it Dick Giuliano or Bob Costantini today? Aren't they the same thing? It's Dick. They're exactly the same thing. Yeah. It's just one guy making a series of funny voices in a room. Uh, yeah, Dick Giuliano joining us today. Uh, what else? Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com going to uh, join us and give us the uh, heads up in the world of nudity. Uh, we will, at some point before the end of today's program, we will, and this is the last time we'll have to do this. I mean, really, until 2012, this is the last time we'll have to do this. Uh, today we will uh, be doing the ground rules for the presidential debate drinking game. We'll be doing that uh, later on today because the presidential debate, the final presidential debate is tonight, 6 p.m., uh, with running commentary by news director Tim Riley, myself, and special guests. It's, it's just Peter Carlin. But, um, just Peter Carlin? I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm, he's happy to hear it. Just Peter Carlin. I'm just saying, you made the observation the special guest made it sound like I was going to be joined by uh, Tony Bennett and Steve Lawrence, you know? You know that, it was, that I was going to be joined by Liza Minnelli and the Les Brown trio. Uh, trio. But it's, uh, yeah, so tonight... Somebody in a text with a cigarette hanging out of their mouth. Exactly. It suddenly appears from behind the curtain. We hope you host Sign in, please. Uh, but it, like it was going to be one of those... Uh, I don't think they do this now with the modern late-night talk shows, but like how Carson used... And I think Letterman actually did this, too. They would do those 20th anniversary specials in primetime, where it would be Carson and Ed McMahon in a tux, and then they would just be playing, like, the hatchet in the groin clip over and over and over again. But then they would have, like, Burt Reynolds or somebody you know, appear with Dom DeLuise, and then they'd spray each other with whipped cream. They don't do it anymore. That's a bygone era. Anyway, so uh, so tonight, Tim Riley, Peter Carlin for the Oregonian, and myself running commentary during tonight's presidential debate, the final presidential debate, which, by all accounts, brace yourselves, could become ugly. Er, so, we can only hope. I've got fingers crossed right now for ugliness. I am rooting for ugliness. 
And I know that Sarah isn't, but that's because you're... That's Sarah, you've lost the fun. You've lost the zeal for this whole it thing. It isn't fun anymore. Now it's just getting to the... Like, it, all the fights have happened. I'm just like, I just want it to be done. See, but the thing is, it hasn't been fun anymore because it's just been tedious. I'm hoping tonight, full-on mudslinging. Barrels of it. That's what I want. Personal attacks. Slander. You know, never mind. I'm Defamation. I'm so not going to say what I was thinking. Character assassination. What were you going to say? Character, by the way, character assassination. No, is what I'm could be for. entertaining That's to you. the only kind. John McCain works himself up into a frenzy and then has some kind of... An incident? An, an, an episode? <laughs> that would be... My fellow American... Honestly, I think I could see it happening because he's just going to work himself up into a froth. And he's then not like, well. Oh, yeah, and then all of a sudden just be like, ah! No, I'm, uh, I'm rooting for strife, discord, and disharmony tonight. I mean, I always do that, but tonight even more so because the, the word is they could, uh, they could go to the mattresses. Obama like, has some balls and, like, you know, smacks back. Maybe Obama, but you I don't think he you will. can't be mean to old people. That's the thing is, you can't no. be mean to old people, and apparently can't be mean to ladies. Uh, so, and Obama, and Obama won't be mean because he, because he's all he has to do is run out the clock. That's the thing. He just has to, get, you know, it's like in football, you just grab the ball and just sit on it, man. That's all he all he has to do is run out the clock. Mm -hmm. McCain is the one who has to really, really take him down tonight if he's if he's going to have any any hope of this thing because it's and this I people who say well people have been turned off by McCain's negative campaigning and. I suppose, but the only people who've been turned off are people who weren't going to vote for him in the first place. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, my wife is turned off by it, but she wasn't going to vote for McCain if you put a gun to her head. There's nothing you could... You could threaten to brand her with a red-hot iron, and my wife wouldn't vote for John McCain. That's just the way she is. That's the way the country is at this point. So, uh, by the way, uh, I, I will say this. Well, I'll save these observations. I have some other observations about tonight and about the whatever. But uh, tonight, final presidential debate, 6 p.m. tonight. 6 p.m. tonight. Wraparound coverage from CNN Radio. Running commentary by Tim Riley, the Oregonians, Peter Carlin, uh, and myself. So we'll do the drinking game for that later on. Hey, speaking of uh, presidents and so forth, we got the Cheney Watch coming today. We haven't had one of those in a long time. No. Cheney Watch today. Grave Watch today. Clown Watch coming up today. Um... Richie, will we, can I announce who we'll be speaking with? Uh, is that the confirmed? Yeah. What time? 1.45. Really? Okay, uh, so then will you help me remember that we got to do Mr. Skin a little early today? All right. Thank you. Richie doesn't sound confident at all. Hey, guess who we're going to be talking to at 1.45 today? <laughs> who are we going to be talking to? Tim, do you remember? Remember we were talking to We had about this early. discussion earlier. We were, but nobody will even give me a hint. No, no, no. Oh, was, no, no. We no, that was something that else. Well, let's stop. Oh, wait a minute. Now I'm really confused. <laughs> let's all take a moment. And take a deep breath. Here in a few moments, we will talk about a very, very, very exciting guest that we may have on in the near future. Not today, but in the near future. May? A guest, It's not meaning it's not confirmed, but the likelihood is yes, it's going to happen. That's the likelihood. Yeah, you know, it's always possible something mm -hmm. could go wrong, but the, the likelihood is... Every time I think something is likely... Oh, man, you, you don't even know. This guest is of such massive... Tim, I wouldn't, I wouldn't oversell to you. Like, you've heard Rick and I talking about this morning how you will be excited. You will be flabbergasted, Tim, when we tell you who we may I have on the program excited. soon. So, uh, But that, that's, that's later on. We'll talk about it here in a few. Uh, today, though, 145, I don't care if anybody else finds this exciting. We do. Ben Bailey, host of Cash Cab. Yeah! I'm thrilled by that. I love the cash cab guy. Every time I go to New York, I try and flag down a um, like one of the vans and set up a regular cab because I want to get in the cash totally. cab. Totally. You're on the cash cab. It's a television game show. My question is, how much of the interior of that cab is CG'd? I don't think any of it. No, I think it gets all just the lights on the top. I think it's that, that those are practical effects. And my other question is, how is it he hasn't been robbed yet? Well, because there's... 
Well, that's a good. Well, there's he camera guys. His cash. But I think there's a camera truck following him too, because they do that thing Even of they when call the, the red light um, and when people get out, the walk of shame, or you know whatever, or yeah. when they leave, when they, the people leave the cab, there's the on the street shot of the people leaving the cab. So I think he must be. He must be paced by somebody. There must be somebody with, you know, behind him filming. You can't rob the cash cab. <laughs> well, Even in New York. It's New York. Wouldn't that happen at some point? Even in New York City. He has to I have don't... this Dan Rather moment. People would... What's the frequency, Ben? Boom! All right. Uh, That's so cool. Oh, my God. I'm trying to think of any question I've always wanted to ask him. We should offer to... We should quiz him and offer to send him five bucks if he gets it right. All right. Well, in any event, Ben Bailey, host of Cash Cab. Coming up uh, later on the day, 145. Thank you, Rick. That's Richie who Richie, did that, by the way. awesome. Richie? Hey, Richie, you rule. All right. Uh, let's see. Well, that's that's it. Um, so we'll talk about um, this other fantastic guest that we will likely have on the program. We'll talk about it next, but we won't have them on probably for, for a little while. But uh, it's, it's going to be, Tim, you're going to be very excited. I know people keep telling me that. I hope it's not a letdown. Oh, no. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. Okay. Now that we're getting closer to the, to the election, regardless of what happens, things are going to change around here drastically. And I can tell you by these leading stories. Nancy Reagan is hospitalized after breaking her pelvis. Ooh. Dick Cheney's abnormal heart is acting up again. Those two stories alone tell us that Things are about to change drastically. Then Madonna and Guy Ritchie actually call it quits. It's real. I thought everybody had heard, Sarah. She, I thought oh. she better show up in Vegas on the 9th of November. She's got alimony to pay. Baby got baby to pay the rent. Yeah, she's got to pay I, those uh, bills. I figured you knew. You did a little uh, McRib is back. No, I haven't there. had a chance to look on the Internet yeah. this morning. Now the sun says it's true. Oh, the only thing I just love about Henry Rollins is the whole time he said the Internet. Yeah. That is all. Okay. Cold temperatures throughout the Beaver State set new record lows. It was like... Below freezing at my home early this morning, walking the dog. Uh, Oregonians registered to vote in record numbers. A pony falls into a pool after getting drunk on rotten apples. Oh, But it's okay. Oh, okay, oh. all right. Uh, Britney okay. Spears is number one on the Billboard chart for the first time in ten years. Could that be with her brand new hit record? Is this uh, number one singles chart or album chart? I believe it's singles. Okay, for Womanizer, because the whole album probably isn't out yet. I dig that. Have you seen a video for that? Oh. Dude, you got to watch the video. Uh, we were talking about it on Monday. I think it was the day you were gone. You got to see the video for first of all. Have you oh, heard the song? Yes, Sarah Dillon played it for me. What do you What do you think? You like I it? I love it. Ah, it's a great song. The video is great because it's got like a Mad Men thing going on for part of it. Part of it is her, somebody they claim is her, nude in a sauna. Not really her. But there are long sections of it in an office, and it is very much a Mad Men vibe. It is uh, very much like a '60s office building. It's very stylish. It's a great video and a great song. Um, all right, excellent. Hello, Sarah Dillon. Hello. How are you? Oh, I'm very well. I went to um, a show last night. When saw uh, the Street Dogs play. Oh, right, at yeah. Hawthorne Theater. Now, that's the guy that did sing for the Dropkick Murphys. Yes, he's the original on. lead singer of the Dropkick Murphys. Very cool. He's the singer on their album, Do or Die, which is one of my favorite albums ever. So, yeah, they were, they were really good. And, yeah, Lisa and I actually ended up being able to go out. And I was reading a book yesterday that I had to throw away. And I met somebody that... Um, that knows somebody. Okay, we have special. to do these things in no particular order. First of all... Is this uh, a different story than the other one I'm waiting for? Now, nah, see, we're going to lead up to that. So, um, I had something to say about Lisa, but now it's gone. But, but it's gone with this. So, Sarah told me this story this morning. I hate to even repeat the story because it pains me. I had to. I'm sorry. And it pains me, too, because I was going to lend it to somebody, but I could not... I could not have it in my bag. So please understand that I'm not passing judgment. No, we I, all we all love you. It was it was my own personal decision. But it really just just an unpardonable sin. I understand, but you know what? You Sarah threw away a Powell's book. Sarah threw away a book 
I threw away. Threw it away. I threw it away. And why I did you throw away the book? Away. Because I read the most vile, evil. evil, disgusting things in that book, and I just was reading it, and I, I realized that it was making me like black from the inside out. <laughs> I could not. I'm like the things that was I'm reading. Was it soul on ice? Honestly, the things that I'm reading in this book do not need to be inside of my head, and it was just. I cannot even just. So I was hanging out with my friend Tuggy last night, and I was telling. He's just like, you threw away a book, and I'm like, let me tell you why I did. And I told him. So what was the book? It was uh, by Joe Hill. It's called uh, Heart Shaped Box. Joe Hill, by the way, although he didn't make this public until and some I know time ago. Gonna yell at me. Stephen King's son wrote this. It's Stephen King's son, Joe Hill. It's a novel called Heart Shaped Box. And so you had you gotten about a, uh, I don't know I chapters going to it, and you were telling me, oh, it's it's pretty creepy. It's amazing. Yeah, no, so it was amazing. I had to put it down. Remember the first week because of the squiggly eyes thing and whatnot. Yeah. So yesterday I'm like going for a bike ride and I go to my favorite coffee shop and I get a big I get like a nice iced coffee and I go on the back patio and I sit down and I start reading it and after a couple of pages it gets to the scene my God I have never ever read anything so vile and so just I want to like scrape my insides out it was <laughs> horrible and I thought I sat there and I closed the book and I sat for like ten minutes just looking around like drinking my coffee because I could not even bring myself to do it and then when I was walking I set my coffee cup in like the um the little bin thing, and without even thinking about it, I just tossed the book in the garbage. Because it was evil. I did not want that book. You threw it away. I will tell you. Well, now I have to go. I didn't I know even know that I was going to read it, but now I have to go buy it and read it. The person I've told this is just like, God damn, you know I want to read it. All right, you can get that at Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. You really can. Um, I can't even describe it. I will tell you what it was. Well, no, don't tell me because I'm going to read it. You okay. can't tell me because now I have to. The thing is, I don't read a lot of fiction. But now I have to go read it because no, you actually threw an, it away. He is an amazing writer. He got yeah. in my head. He got in my head. His dad would be really proud. Stephen King would be so proud that his son horrified you to the point that you threw a book away. I can't even tell you. What's even the horror aspect of it? Because this didn't even have to do with the ghost. It was just kind of like this ghost kind of gets gets to them and he makes them do all these kinds all right, of things. I don't want to know. I'm not, I'm not going to yeah. tell you any specifics, but I'm saying like he makes them do these things. And then this thing is happening and this other thing's happening. He's super descriptive. And it just, I was reading it and I felt like it was bad. I'm like, this is bad. Just, I do not need to read this. It is wrong. It was so, a yes, thing that should not be. My name is Sarah Dillon. I threw a book away. All right. I'm sorry. Well, that's okay. We yeah. all have our moments. Um, uh, okay. So uh, shall we talk guest? So later on today, we're going to be talking to Ben Bailey from Cash Cab. But... Uh, now, Tim, Tim, would you like to guess at who our special guest will be in the near future? Let, let me Hopefully. just. She, she said. She said that. Yeah. Uh, I will give it's the broad. I will give the. Well, no, hold on. I will give the broad strokes, and then Sarah can tell you more if she wants to. I will simply say, I got this. Gra- I got this call from Sarah last night at around midnight, and I was up. Uh, was watching the Shield, and uh, we'll talk more about the Shield later on today. But I was watching the Shield. Phone rings. Sarah and I answered it, and. You know, she's out somewhere, and I said, hey, what's up? And she goes, I, I have the greatest news in the history of the world. And I said, and I was like, wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> I said, what's that? She goes, so we we might be able to get somebody on the show, Rick. And I said, who? And she goes, as a guest on the show, we might be able to get, wait for it, wait, wait for it, wait. And then she told me, and I went, no way. And she said, yes. So as it turns out, Sarah has a good friend who is very good friends well, not a good friend. I, she's a new friend. I just met her last night. You have an acquaintance? Yes. Who is very good friends with someone we would love to have on the show. So now, Tim, would you like to begin guessing? Is this a male or a female? A male. <laughs> is he in the world of the uh, entertainment business? Yes. I would say so. Is he a comedian? Mm, not intentionally. No. Yeah, not intentionally. <laughs> Has he been in a recent motion picture? No. I don't believe so, no. 
about how old would this person be? 40s? Yeah, I'd say like late 40s. I would say mid to late 40s. Mid to late 40s. I don't know. Now we could. Now here's the thing. We could let you continue guessing. We could reveal it. We could have the audience guess. What would you like to do, Tim? It's your it's call. It's worth it, Tim. It's worth it. Let the audience guess. All right. Uh, Let's well, we should the people into this. Uh, do we have time to do that, or should we break? Oh, we have time. Okay. Uh, time in the world. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, and we're giving something away this week, but I can't remember what it is. Hey, Richard, you know what we're giving away this week? <laughs> All right, thanks. Uh, I think it might be that, I think it might be that, uh, that Filmation Superman Adventures thing, but I'm not entirely... Well, we'll find something for you. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, we'll just take one random caller here. Uh, you will play 20 questions to try to identify this mystery guest, a uh, person who may be joining us on the program sometime in the near future via an acquaintance of Sarah's. Uh, and if you correctly guess in 20 questions or fewer... Uh, you will win, I don't know, something. I think it's, I think it's Filmation Superman DVD adventure, but I'm not entirely sure. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. I will say that I, when Sarah told me last night, my, actually my first response was, shut up! That's <laughs> <laughs> actually what I said, because I thought you were, uh, because I didn't think it could possibly be true. Uh, all right, I'm just going to take, uh, Richie, I'm going to take a random caller here. I'm going to wait for the lines to fill up. And then I'm going to take a random caller. I'm going to close my eyes, pick up one of the lines. Hold on. Waiting. One more. Got to wait for one more. Waiting. 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 And, all right, here we go. Random call being picked up by me now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, are you ready to play 20 questions? Uh, Sure. <laughs> okay. I'm really into it. All right. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, Sarah, um... Know someone who may be able to obtain a guest for us. We have already said this person is a male, works in the entertainment industry, not a comedian. In his 40s. Mid to late 40s. Uh, go, sir. You have 16 uh, questions. 16 guesses. Okay. Um, is he into, into, like, adult film? No. No. Um... Has he done uh, other projects? Outside of, uh, you know, entertainment business. Uh, maybe, but we would know him primarily from his main for occupation. For his first one job, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, has he done any writing? Uh, I would imagine so. I couldn't tell you definitively, but it, it, I would imagine he has done some done some writing, yes. Uh, no, no novels or anything like that. But I imagine he's written things, yes. Wow, I'm totally lost. All right. Now. Well, you know what? We will uh, we'll hand off your remaining guesses to another person. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, you have 13 guesses. Is he a singer? No. Is he an actor? Uh, n not to my knowledge, no. Mm -hmm. 11 guesses remaining. Uh, was that actor as in movies or actor as in uh, plays or both? Well, I don't believe he has done any acting. I can't swear to it, but uh, we do not know him as an actor. Uh, is he a comedian? Uh, what, no, he, he is... Uh, he I'd might say be unintentionally funny. He's amusing, but not a comedian in the sense of, like, Dane Cook being a comedian. Bad example, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Who? Yeah. He's not a comedian. Yes. Um, wow. So I guess it's probably not, not Art Alexakis, then. No, you have, uh, you have ten guesses, sir. 
Is he an author? Uh, well, again, he may have written things, but oh, he is. Right. We do not know him primarily for being an author. Nine guesses. I'm giving it up. Let, it, let somebody else have a look at it. Thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Nine guesses remaining. Okay. Well, my first my first guess is David Hasselhoff, and that will be shot down. Um, is what part of the entertainment field is he in? Uh, he is on television. He's on television. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a, a moderator or a host. Um. I I don't know. Should we? I, how, how, how do we answer that, Sarah? I don't know. It's a pretty direct. I would say he is. Um, He's a well-known television person. I would say he is a well-known television personality. We'll leave it at that. Uh, Bill Maher. No, no, but you're I, in the ballpark. But Bill Maher just wrote a book. Yeah, no, you're in the ballpark. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah. Uh, do I get another guess? Yes, sir. Okay. Um. Oh, let's see. Um. Mid to late forty. And I believe it's going around too. Um, let's try. Uh, John Stewart's too young. Who's written? Oh hell, I can't remember. I can't. I can't think of one. Pass it on. All right, good God Almighty, this is just all right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson <laughs> show. Uh, I'm, we're gonna. You know what? We're screw it. We're gonna call it five guesses. Period. I don't even know where we are. Uh, hello, go. Uh, is it Stone Phillips? No. Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. We have four guesses left. Go. Does his last name start with the letter C? No. Ah. Uh, Not Steve Carell. Three guesses left. Okay. Um, does his last name start with an L? No. Two Aaron ge- just wrote me and got it. Really? Yeah. Excellent. Two guesses left. Aaron guessed it. Two I guesses left. Game. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Rick. Ever since show two guesses left. The audience ever. Is he a politician? No. One more guess, sir. Now, if you can guess it this time, uh, you know, if you have one question left, then, you know, then, then you have you to guess. You could win whatever whatever yeah. we're going to scrape up. You have one clarifying question left. Is he a newsman? Yes, he is. Hey, uh, I'm going to guess the CA. This will call quick. I'm going to say Jeff Chinola. All right. Sadly, sir, that is incorrect. Okay, I know. Okay. But it's not sad. In this sense, ladies and gentlemen, the next sound you'll hear you hear will be of the man we will likely be interviewing in the very near future. Right across his posterior. Yes, <laughs> Richard Quest, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my God! Oh, I so I, I know. Tim is getting chills. I know. So I met this girl Jill last night, mm. and she was talking about her friend Richard, uh-huh. and they had met um, in Arizona. Uh-huh. And so she was talking about him. I'm just like, and she's like, oh, Richard Quest. I'm like. Richard, like the Richard Quest, and they ended up being they were friends for weeks, and she didn't even realize who he was. And now they email and talk every single day, and he's coming to visit her in like a month. And she said that um, she's like, oh yeah, so and her boyfriend's a huge fan of the show, and she's just like, well, perhaps I, she's like, he's gonna come visit me, and I, I bet I can get him to come into your show. And is it true that Richard Quest emailed her while you were he with her last her. night? He emailed her while Sarah was with while this girl last night. Richard Quest sent her an email. Oh my gosh! Hello, it's Richard. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. That's Lou Dobbs. I'm sorry, but you know, same thing. Uh, so, uh, so how great is that? that Come is on, the greatest of greats. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. Can we hear that one more time? Just yeah. the uh... right across his posterior. Yeah. There you go. All right. So how in the near future, we may be interviewing Richard Quest. Wow. Which is like the best news ever. That is the best news. It ever. really is. It's fantastic. So uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seven eight. Well, let's let's just do this, ladies and gentlemen, from the hill. Let's welcome CNN Radio correspondent to the stars. 
Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you? Fantastic. I'm sorry? I'm very excited about Richard Quest. Isn't that gripping? Isn't that wonderful? It's, it's fantastic. Uh, uh, so it's not confirmed, but he's going to be apparently in town, and he know he's good friends with somebody Sarah knows, uh, who in turn dates yeah, a listener. And, she's like, oh, yeah, my buddy yeah. Richard. I'm like, yeah. What? And she apparently knew him for weeks before kind of figuring out, oh. She just thought he was the hot. Then. She told me, she's like, I thought he was just the hot British guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, that's exceptional news. Wow, right on. Yeah, and, you know, so that and then today the cash cab guy. So, I mean, really, it's just a bat in a thousand right now. Wow, hey. How's life? How are things? Oh, it's good. I'm a little bummed about the Red Sox, but other than that, you know, we got the big debate tonight. Always very exciting. And what happened with the Red Sox? Uh, it was just a horrible loss last night. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sure Stephen King is sharing your pain somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was there at the game. Really, yeah. was he? Uh, he was. Have, he you, was. have you read that book uh, that he wrote? Uh, it was Stephen King and... Uh, I'm forgetting now. Uh, Stephen King co-wrote a book about the Red Sox, uh, you know, that the big season they had. You can tell I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Three or four years ago. Right, but right. He, he, I have not read it. Yeah, he wrote some... Nor do I know the title. I know what you're talking about. Uh, but it's apparently great. Um, so, and there we go. Uh, and there we go. Sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly find out. Back into my wheelhouse, though. I, I have your top five list in front of me. Boy, it's fantastic. Oh, hey. And we're going to do this Friday. What time? Uh, whenever you let me know. Well, you got it. I mean, uh, well, let's say Friday. So Aaron's going to be in at two. So let's say we'll do your top five, like maybe one forty. Okay, that sounds good. Well, one forty our time, which would be what the two forty your time. Yep, yep, yep. If you can just just remind no. Tyler, just let Tyler know. No, no, no. That would be four forty your time. Yeah. All yep. right. Okay. Well, we'll figure. Oh, okay. So we'll clear. We'll let him know. We'll, we'll clear it with him, and so that we know where to get their, uh, their sure chops busted. Yeah, exactly. um, that's great. All right, so your top five is genius. Um, oh, good. Oh, good. I was worried. I didn't know if I quite hit the topic, but good. Uh, so uh, two things. One, we'll talk a bit about the about the upcoming debate, but w- this is a weird thing. I, this is a statement you don't read too often. Uh, Florida Democratic Representative Tim Mahoney called on the House Ethics Committee to investigate his own behavior after he, I guess he forked over 120 grand to some some uh, some mistress, some chick, to avoid a sexual harassment lawsuit. Right. Allegedly, or did he allegedly. actually do this? Allegedly, yeah. It's still, it's still allegedly, uh, and you know, apparently, it, it, we're still sorting this all out. But you're right. Actually, you know, a, about a year or two ago, uh, what we were hearing from everyone who got in trouble here was that they were alcoholics. Remember that? Everybody was suddenly an alcoholic. Yes. Uh, even some of them, you know, to their credit, really were alcoholics. Maybe not all of them, but um, now what we're now kind of the the way people go and handle scandal in the last year. Oh, how about that handle scandal rhyme? Um, is they say, all right, I want an ethics investigation. Look, I'm on the up and up. I want you guys to take a good look at me. Now, it certainly helps, Representative Mahoney, that ethics investigations uh, need Congress to be in town generally to happen. They don't have to be that way, but generally. And Congress won't be back probably until after his election, after everyone gets elected. So he, any ethics investigation is very unlikely to proceed before uh, his election. Now, he may think that helps him. He, I guess he, he knows better than we do exactly what he did and what might be, you know, found out from this investigation. But uh, it could also hurt him because obviously uh, voters in his district 
not really loving the sex scandals, and and even really the accusations here uh, could be enough to just get him kicked out of office. But he, basically, he has admitted uh, to doing something that hurt his wife and daughter, uh, but he said our private business is our private business, and he would only say that some, in some way the allegations are false. But uh, one of his former staffers' lawyer is saying essentially that um, that he did pay her off $121,000 so that she would not file a lawsuit against him. You know, it does. It, it, Tim and I were talking earlier uh, about uh, about Mad Men and you know the, that whole era and you know the. Uh, do you, I, I always forget this. Do you watch Mad Men? No, I need to. It's oh, on. It's on my list. I, I'm waiting until after the election. I, okay, I was going to say you got to you got to power load that. You got to get speed with that. I know. Uh, but anyway, long story short, we were playing this great Kingston trio song, Scotch and Soda, from oh. 1962, which is just you know it just conjures up images of just uh, darkened bar rooms and cocktails and cigar smoke and. You know, and the, the man in the gray flannel suit throwing back a few yes, belts with yes. a dame, and you, honey, I, yes. yeah, and you hear, uh, and when you when you read about things like this, uh, and you say, you know, the, the, the people in that state not really loving the sex scandal right about now, you do sort of look back, and I mean, you know, it's kind of old hat at this juncture to talk about JFK and Marilyn Monroe and whatever. But, I mean, you've got to think that politicians at this point just lament that they were born too late. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When at some point it was enough just to kind of go to work and do a good job for the people, and that nobody really cared uh, what you were doing to whom in a back room with the door locked. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, uh, you know for, for either good or bad, and I tend to think that it's for the bad, that is, just, that is an era that has passed now where it was simply enough to do a good job as a politician. Yes, it's true. It's true, and and, uh, and now those times are even a little glamorous. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Uh, you know, but I mean, I think this Mahoney thing is getting more and more interesting. Mahoney is arguing basically that he was trying to protect himself from this potential lawsuit, and and that he didn't necessarily do anything wrong there. It's it's not we're not quite clear on everything he's saying yet, but it it, it seems through his lawyer um, that he is admitting that he he paid some money to this woman, right. but but he's kind of saying no, he didn't want this lawsuit. Meanwhile, now there's allegations of a second affair uh, that he may have had. Uh, ABC's working on that story, and so are we. So we're waiting to see. It does not look good for the Democratic congressman uh, who uh, took Mark Foley's feet. And that's, of course, just the, the horrible the, the perversity of the entire thing, if you pardon the pun. But, I mean, he was the guy that, you know, I mean, as you said, just a one-two punch uh, you know, right there. Um, Florida, you know, yeah. And then for tonight... Um, yeah. Here's a dumb question. Uh, what can uh, John McCain possibly do tonight to, to pull his fat out of the fire? Well, I think the people around him are folks who, who like to throw uh, grenades. And we know that John McCain has described himself as someone who also likes to throw bombs on occasion. Uh, but I think that that has not worked so far. I think that uh, all of the William Ayers stuff is already kind of out there in the consciousness, if not in specific. And I just don't know. Uh, he, he's got a very tough decision to make. And I think uh, my colleague Dana Bash, I think, called it right, that the McCain camp does like to make decisions last minute. And I have a feeling they're still on the fence over just how hard he goes after Obama. I don't think that going on the attack will help him. His base wants him to. Sarah Palin wants him to. I don't think it will help him. I think We've talked about this before. I think the smart move for John McCain tonight would be to start off and say, listen, there are a lot of things I can bring up about uh, Senator Obama's past, and I think they're significant, but that's that's not going to help us 
move forward as a country. You know, if you're interested, go to my website, whatever. But honestly, tonight, you know, and even that you could get criticized for, but even tonight, I, I think that we need to just move on, and, and I want to have a really just a big discussion about the issues. And I think he could gain points if he does something like that, but, you know, I'm naive. I'm not a paid political consultant, and maybe that's why. You know, there's uh, there's two things. One is, speaking of, we were just talking about the, this uh, this sex scandal in Florida and talking about people wishing for a time when, you know, when things were a little bit different. You got to figure that John McCain. I mean, obviously, he wishes it was 2000 again for a lot of reasons. But you got to figure that John McCain wishes this was four years ago or eight years ago because four eight years ago, I mean, he could have just buried Obama with the heirs thing. I mean, it just it would have been enough. That would have been enough right there because it, it, we were still in that sort of weird cultural hot button um, state of mind where something yeah, four like years ago for sure. yeah, the yeah. allegation of impropriety or having the wrong friends or meeting the wrong guy once in a smoke-filled room somewhere was sort of enough to do you in politically, you know, because everybody wasn't worried about those, th- what are they called, jobs. So <laughs> they didn't really worry. Now, so, you know, McCain must be sitting there going, like, he must be just looking at the calendar going, come on, can't I? Yeah, just trying to... You know, eight years ago, McCain, I think, had... Um, of what Obama has, this kind of outsider mojo. Right. And, and he, he completely lost it during many stops along the way, some of which ran through, uh, let's say, Liberty University and Jerry Falwell. Mm-hmm. Some of them ran through the White House and President Bush. And, and I think all of those things made independents wonder, you know, who is this guy? Is he, is he really this kind of arch-conservative, or right. is he a maverick, or what is the deal? And I think uh, pe- people started saying, this guy, I thought he was going to do what he thought was right. Now I think he's doing what he needs to do to win and and regardless of what really is happening with john mccain that's the image that's out there and that that's the problem he's got to prove to people that he isn't uh... kind of a slick politician which is what i think people have started to yeah. think about him and that's why he's losing numbers hey do you get the sense and this is just me sort of i don't know taking the cultural pulse or whatever or listening to what uh... author andrew vox would call the whisper stream mm-hmm. do, you, do you get the sense that republicans are already laying the groundwork to claim that this election is fraudulent or stolen or rigged or something? You know, I certainly, certainly they are, they are in any election, re- Republicans have been good uh, before 2000 at getting ready for those kinds of fights. So, so there's no question in my mind, yes, absolutely, they're getting ready to get any kind of legal evidence they can to overturn um, any part of this election that they can, if they think it will give them a chance to win. You know, I mean, if the blowout, they'll back down. Sarah Palin actually used the phrase yesterday to campaign stop. She actually used the phrase fraudulent votes already. Right. Yeah. Oh, no, I think they're getting ready. I think that um, you have to add to that, though, that uh, this all of this stuff with ACORN, and mm-hmm. you know, which is clearly a, a Democrat-leaning, if not Democrat-lying yeah. down organization, is, is helping Republicans, and, and it is it is not something that um, Republicans are forcing, Republicans are trying to dig up or paint to be something that, that it's not. I mean, we are seeing across the country with this organization very serious voter registration problems. You know, now they say it's because they hire mm, homeless people, mm-hmm. former drug addicts, to go out and get uh, registrations, and they have quotas. And so they say, well, sometimes that th- these guys, in order to make money and to meet these quotas, they may be turning in, uh, you know, they may be filling out these forms themselves over and over again. However, you know, in testimony, uh, in Ohio at least, some of these people have said that they were told to fill these forms out again and again. Now, it's probably a combination of both. Whatever it is, that obviously ACORN is trying to register low-income 
Democratic-leaning voters, and they are kind of tossing some of the rules out of the window, uh, you know, whether it's directly or indirectly. And it's a problem. It's a problem for Barack Obama because he has worked with them before, uh, in the primary specifically, not in the general, but um, it's so it's almost a Republican dream that they, that they can point oh, to I, something like that. I told my wife last night, I said, you know, you start counting down like a 3-2-1 to, to my wife's uh, email inbox filling up with stuff from her mother screaming about how the yeah. election is being stolen. You can already sense it coming. So, all, all right, I know you it's think a, McCain now has two, um, I think they're chipmunks or squirrels or something, two giant squirrel chipmunk suit guys that are running around. Uh, New York, apparently. Is that true? Yes. Oh, that's so great. That's you know, uh, Sarah and I were talking about this earlier. That Sarah has Sarah has reached the point of just being uh, mortified and disgusted and sickened <laughs> by the entire election. But you know, I, I lo- I'm happy about the chipmunks. I think or I, whatever they are. I guess one is named. Uh, Tony Romo, the other name, I can't remember what the other one's name is. But I, I, as, as I always do, just just for my own amusement of nothing else, I just root for strife and discord, and I'm always <laughs> it's always perversely amusing when I'm not let down. You know what I mean? Forgetting it. All right. Uh, busy day, so we we got to run. Uh, I, we will talk to you undoubtedly tomorrow, yes? Great. Done. All right. Thank you, Lisa. Okay. All right. They go Lisa Desjardins, and I do believe, Richie, is this, is Dick Uliano already parked on the other line there? Because if so, we'll just, uh, you know, we'll kind of roll into that right now. Uh, and then we'll break after that. Excellent. Okay. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up later on, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth, Mr. Skin, all of that. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, CNN Radio correspondent and man about town, Dick Uliano. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. Ready for the third and final debate tonight? Let me ask you this dumb question. Um, make or break for John McCain. Is this, is this kind of his, his absolute last chance to really nail it home with most people? Absolutely. I, yeah, certainly, you have to look at it this way. It's his last huge audience, uh, the last big stage for John McCain before the voting uh, in three weeks. It's his last chance to strike fire. He's trailing badly nationwide in the polls and in the battleground states. Uh, so this will be his largest megaphone, uh, if you will. And if he's going to do anything to make sort of a, a fourth quarter uh, attempt here to beat Barack Obama, uh, this would seem to be the night that he's going to try to do it. Um, is this now, is this tonight domestic policy? What is the yes. thrust of tonight's? Okay, so that's... Yeah, no, you've got it. It's uh, domestic uh, policy and economic policy. And, you know, Rick, uh, both these candidates introduced economic proposals this week. Uh, Barack Obama, for example, uh, talking about uh, uh, a moratorium on uh, foreclosures, uh, home foreclosures to give uh, people a break. Uh, McCain wanting to cut the capital gains tax and a break for people with 401Ks. Things like that. You can expect them to emphasize this tonight. Of course, the questions will be up to the moderator. That's Bob Schieffer from CBS News. They'll, uh, three of them will be seated at a table at the center of the stage here at Hofstra University in Hampstead, New York. And uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It is really McCain's sort of last chance saloon, I think. And uh, Barack Obama, I think, will be trying to close the deal tonight. Uh, not making, Certainly he'll try not to make any mistakes, Rick, and give the American people the impression uh, that he has the temperament and the intellect and the leadership skills to be the president. All right, my friend. As always, a pleasure. Uh, your expertise and observations are appreciated. Uh, I know it's a big day for you. We'll, we'll let you go. We will talk to you very soon. Thank Dick. you so much, Rick. Thank you. Dick Giuliano, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Fantastic. What a pleasure. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. It'll be a great day. Don't forget, tonight, 6 p.m., doing, doing a little like, ah. That's what I was doing right there. Okay. 
Uh, 6 p.m. tonight, uh, the final presidential debate, uh, wraparound coverage from CNN Radio, and then running commentary from news director Tim Riley, Oregonian TV critic Peter Carlin, and myself. So that'll be uh, tonight, 6 to 8 uh, tonight, right here on AM 970. Let's take a break. Back after this with Tim Riley. Oh, man, on a day of surprises, we've got one more. So we have Ben Bailey from Cash Cab. He's going to be coming up later on today. So cool. He really is cool. Is he an attractive man? I can't He's tell. He's a very attractive man. He seems so, but I couldn't quite get a handle on it. One of those guys that I couldn't tell he might, if he was if he was attractive or if he was just sort of unique looking. No, he's, yeah, he's very handsome now. Uh, we revealed that Richard Quest may in fact be joining us on the program at some point in the near future. And when we return, I'm going to unveil the greatest thing you've ever seen. Back after this. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. All right. Um, well, let's see. I don't even know what to get. First of all, I don't know who put this on my door. It, it wasn't Chris Paddock. He was the, he was my first suspect here. I'd like to thank whoever tapped it to my door, the uh, promo flyer for the new Right Said Fred single. Thanks so much. Apparently, the new single and album. Not just one. No, no, no. An entire album of tracks from Right Said Fred. On your desk Tuesday, Mr. Music Director. Exactly. Going for ads on the going for ads next Tuesday. It's hot. <laughs> to spread of Y one oh three Miami. Already burning up at Kiss FM. Mm. And then of course it has the puffery here that writes in Fred of the first UK band since the Beatles to have reached number one with a debut single in the United States. Now and then we Paddock and I were talking about this this morning. We both got here a little early. We were like we spent about twenty minutes this morning. Uh, in my office talking about Right Said Fred, which like doesn't even seem possible. What could we just say for 20 minutes about Right Said Fred? And then we went Patrick to... The... seemed like he might like Right Said Fred. Well, I think he is interested in them in sort of the same way that I am, and just sort of a bizarre pop culture artifact. But so he and I spent 20 minutes in my office this morning before the office... Because we got here before the office had even opened up. We had some stuff to do. So we're sitting there before the office is even open, just sitting there uh, on either side of the desk talking about this. This can't possibly be true. Wright said Fred have achieved in excess of 22 million sales to date. That's a lie. That is a lie. I'm, I'm telling you right now, that is just fabricated. Anyway, and then they've got the um, they've got the whole track listing here. Yeah, let's see, including "You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet." God, I hope it's a remake of the Bachman Turner Overdrive song. Could that be? Cherry, cherry. I hope that's a remake of the Neil Diamond song. And then he was speculating this was some rewrite of the Dylan thing. Not big yellow taxi, just yellow metal car. And then, of course, the of, I'm sorry? Why don't, they, why don't they just sing the best of ABBA? <laughs> and then, but if, but what is the final track on the new Right Said Fred album? Anybody, you know what it is. Give you one guess. What's the final track on the new album from Right Said Fred? Is it a remix of their hit? Yes, it is. I'm Too Sexy, 2007. Not even 2008. <laughs> final track, I'm Too Sexy, 2007. Oh, my go. God, do you have that CD? I, I don't. I went to their um, space page and I was listening. We've got to play. I'm they, too sexy. It's not there. And for, you have to buy it, Sarah. You have, oh. to, you have to put up money for that. I did play uh, the I'm a celebrity song, and I do have to say that the hook was stuck in my head for like 15 minutes afterwards. So, anyway, so thanks to whoever gave me that. Uh, let's see what else. Um, okay. Well, we've got the greatest photo in the history of photos to unveil. Yeah, I didn't look at it. You told me that I shouldn't. All right. So uh, I can say this now because it's a 40 second delay. So by the time you look at it, you know you'll be able to get there before the crush of. For the the billions of people, I'll go to my page. But because uh, CBS's internet is not always uh, not always as quick as a whippet, so I'm going to uh, publish this right now. 
Uh, Sarah Dillon, please now go to rickemerson.com in like five seconds, four, three, just waiting for the thing. Okay, there we go. Go to uh, rickemerson.com and please to be looking at this photo in the new blog entry. Oh, my God. Yeah. What is it? Oh, you know what it is. You know what it is, Tim Ryan. Are you kidding me? Let me coy with me. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Let me see. All right. You sent it to me. You? I mean, you sent it to me. Oh, do you regret? Tim. Do you regret giving me this photo of yourself? Well, I was in. I wanted to be in the contest with Carl Click for the best seventies hair. Uh, oh, that you, is some contest hair. Contest is over, Tim Riley, and the victor is you. And maybe I'll do like a side by side comparison. Like maybe I'll take this and put it right next to him. Have you seen the picture of Tim, Chris Paddock joining us now? Uh, that is amazing. Are you wearing actual uh, shoes there, or are you barefoot? It no, looks like, it looks like, like I'm wearing Earth shoes. No, you're, those, are like shoes. Shoes. Yeah. those are 70s shoes. Those are 70s shoes. Those are your boogie shoes. Yeah. And is that a tux? That is a tux. With a lavender, uh, whatever, boutonniere thing? Yes. I like, With, the, it, like the black it, piping. That's I, have a, I have actually me as a ring bearer in a tux very similar to that uh, at a younger age, not, not currently. Now, how old would you have been here, Tim? Uh, let's say I would have been a teenager. But you, I mean, that is so weird because you have the same face. Still. Except I was trying to grow a mustache and it wasn't coming. I was, out. I was pointing that out. Say, you look you're, like you're, the dude from the hills with the beard. Go, that, uh, what's his name? I thought it was just a shadow. I said, no. "Hey, you got a shadow?" He goes, "No, I was trying to grow a mustache." Everybody had to have facial hair in the seventies, and I did my best, and that's as good as it got. Now, now, for what event? We why were we wearing a tux? Do you remember? Well. See, my family's Catholic, so there was a wedding like every week. <laughs> this, this is Paulie and Paul. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this, so you it was a senior year of high school, maybe? Yeah. All right. So. Oh yeah, that's definitely senior year. Yeah. So kind seventeen, of looks like, eighteen. Uh, an extra from the Cheech and Chong wedding album. I could see that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, so there you, so you go to RickEmerson.com. This is all because we were because Carl Click from K2 was well, on. I was jealous over the hair. He and Carl Click. the old dog. He. We had two folks. We had one of him doing the backhand with like the big bushy like fro. Uh, in high school, and then there was his, like his sophomore picture, I think, from his yearbook. And Tim sent me the best email. It just said, "OMG!" exclamation mark. I just saw Carl Click's photo, and then the best phrase that Tim Riley has ever written. He said, "I will not be outdone in the bushy hair department." And then he sent me this. But but look at some of his classmates. I mean, I could. That that is a woman. That is a woman. And yeah. She looks like Miss Jane on the Beverly Hills. Yes. Yeah. Nancy Cole. <laughs> So uh, and everyone has big hair during yep. that period of time. Yeah. So yep. Carl Click and I are, are close and like graduating bad. here. You know who's yeah. got a cute is that girl second from the right there. Allison Cooley. I mean, she's, she's a, you know body. a little mm-hmm. awkward teenage yeah. thing hey, going on there. Cooper looks like the dirty librarian type. He does. Anyway, sorry, we're getting a little uh, detail. Okay. I'm sorry that I burst into your program, Rick Emerson, but I had to defend my honor for a moment. What's that? What this whole right side Fred discussion? I, it was Sarah. That was Sarah's the one who. You say that I. Uh, I actually hurt my hand from slamming my hand hard on the table when you said that I might like Right Said Fred. You celebrate their entire Chris catalog. Fact, I wouldn't put it against you. You know, you're a lover of all music. I can actually I like name I the follow-up to I'm Too Sexy. Please there you go. go. Don't talk, just kiss. Yeah. All right. I feel like I would be insulting you to not acknowledge but I don't, you love all music. I would not go on a cruise to watch them or anything. I would not pay money to see them, although I do want to hear their uh, version of um, whatever that thing is. Cherry metal. Cherry. Uh, yellow metal car, yellow metal, his big yellow taxi Wait, in a Japanese it style. Was, it sounded like a bad trend. Yellow, yellow <laughs> metal, yellow metal family moving, smile happy wish car. Um, so there's that, and then there's you ain't seen nothing yet, which may or may not be a remake of the Bachman Turner Overdrive. God, uh, I hope so. I mean, because really, how much songwriting time do the right Fred, said Fred guys sit around? Like, if they let us compose. Flyer, though, too, you really should scan how it because it? it looks like it was done by um, you know Mrs. Johnson's. 
uh, first grade class because totally. it's done in Crayola. That they just got a copy of Page Maker. <laughs> That's exactly. Do everything in Comic Sans. <laughs> it's horrible. So Paddock and I spent about 20 minutes this oh my morning. God, I found a version of I'm Too Sexy 2007. Is it 2007? It's uh, amazing. Is it, is it clean? Yes. Because you know, maybe they're edgy. Maybe they're no, trying I to. Uh, to yeah. Is it awful? It is. Is it more? Is it more wonderful or awful? I would say more wonderful. Wonderful than awful. Right. Shall we play it right now? Ladies and gentlemen, I give you I'm Too Sexy. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. Okay. Got that boat code on my shirt. There are American distributors in Kansas. Too sexy in Wait, now, in what way is this different from the original? I think it's a remix. But, I, I mean, has it just like, got that new keyboard line? Yeah, and it's got the kind of T-Pain sound to it. Oh, yeah. Nothing that like vocal underworld. order? Yeah. Now it's like all acid house on us. There's no need for this. Naked lady. Yeah, this doesn't need to exist. Don't you think they would check, like, change the lyrics and update it or something? <laughs> I mean, it's just the thing. <laughs> something? Exactly like, I'm too sexy for my Crocs or something. You know, like, throw in a pop culture reference. I would never use gay as, like, an adjective to describe something. But, my God, he's wearing the gayest shirt I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like a button-up shirt, but it's missing this front portion, and it's like a little bow tie yeah. hanging down. Well, now, we were talking about this this morning. I think for the last few years, anyway, these guys have had a really sweet gig. And you know what they've been doing is they have a standing gig as the performers on some of the gay-themed carnival cruise lines. Good for them. Which is a mess like money in the bank, man. Is it Rosie's cruise the best or is it job something different? Could, the best job you could possibly get. That's so, big. Anyway. I won't make so, the joke I made earlier. Sorry. So if you'd like to... Uh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, so if you'd like to uh, you know, buy this... Uh, the new single and album, which I believe are called, I believe they're both called I'm a Celebrity, which they have trademarked. Uh, you can get that, I guess, at rightsatfred.com. It's called I'm a Celebrity, yeah. but then it's trademarked. They trademarked the phrase. I'm a Celebrity, like I'm Too Sexy. They probably so, trademarked that. I wonder if they did. Well, we were playing this single uh, in my office yeah. this morning. We were playing I'm a Celebrity, which does, I have to say this, it does. You should you should play it if yeah. you can. Okay. Yeah. Where are you at? Where you oh, at, I Sarah? At, I was at the YouTubes. Uh, okay. If you go to, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. If you go to myspace.com slash rightsaidfred, <laughs> no one has ever said that phrase before, by the way. I'm the first person who's ever said that. If you go to uh, myspace.com slash rightsaidfred, I do think that if it's the first single in that weird, that new funky player window thing okay, that MySpace has. Um, but this song, I'm a Celebrity, here's my theory, and you'll know when you hear it. First oh, yeah. of all, the song does get kind of stuck in your head for a bit. Yes. I don't remember it now, but the hook was stuck in my we head. We know what it sounds like, though. But I have this theory that this I'm a Celebrity single, that they made it because they wanted to have something they could pitch as a reality TV show theme. Ooh. That's why they trademarked it. Oh, like, I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. Exactly. That's why they trademarked it, and that's why they released this, because they're trying to, they're angling for some of that TV oh, that's dollar. that's good, smart, smart marketing. Oh, thank you, CBS Buffering. That sounds like my computer. That is your computer. <laughs> In your face, Tim Riley. I'm not playing anything. Here's your problem right here. Look at a picture of a cat. Here it is. This is how Paddock and I spent our morning. You guys are sitting in there listening to Right Set Fred. What are you doing today? Let's not talk about it. I'm a celebrity. A five-star thing junkie. I binge, then I diet. I vomit on the quiet. Edgy lyrics. Model you see. 
bouncing back and forth in the lamest fashion. He's attacking like Lindsay Lohan. So, can't you see okay, them pitching this as a reality? This is the hook, I think. forward to I'm a Celebrity 2008 next year in 2009. <laughs> we'll go out on that joke. Chris Paddock, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. News breaking now. Oil has settled at $4.09 lower. It is now just $74.54 a barrel, the lowest level in more than 13 months. So apparently they're, they're trying to pacify the electorate. Here's the thing the I wonder about when they, when they talk about this, the price of oil and so forth. When they keep talking about the price of oil, I always, you know, that doesn't mean anything to people. When they say the price of oil has gone down, nobody ever really, in other words, I don't know what that means. I don't know how much is too much to pay for oil. They ought to just cut to the bottom of the page and just say the price of gas mm-hmm. or everything. Sarah, if they say, look, the price of oil right now is $84 a barrel, is that good or bad? I have no idea. Neither do I. No one knows. So, no, I mean, I'm you. Not gonna mention it again. I'm just saying, you know, Tim, because you're smart. The average American, you're the average knucklehead, and I'm in this regard, I am an average knucklehead. I have no idea what is a reasonable price for a barrel of oil. I don't know. What, so when they say the price of oil today is $92 a barrel, I have no idea if that's good or bad for so me. Should I dumb it down? Yes. The answer to that question is always yes. Ollie is buying you oil. They put this stuff in a big barrel, and it's usually around $99, and it went to 100 Now you just can buy it for $74. <laughs> Thank you. Ollie is. You right. understand me better now. That is what I asked I'm, for. I'm trying to talk to the co- common person. Yeah. Was that you playing the elf in Behind the Christmas? Yes, that yeah. is your elf voice. Well spotted. I was thinking the well, same I, thing. I only do like 10 different voices, but they're all the same voice. <laughs> yeah, that's like me. Uh, well spotted. I was thinking, exa- I didn't know if it would be too niche. You, that was the voice that Tim Riley uses as uh, former Santa Claus elf Indigo Spitz. Uh, in, um, that's, in, a, that's a good memory. We only play that twice a year. We play it twice a year, but you know, but you know how old that thing is. This year will be seven years. Oh, jeez. I mean, it doesn't even seem it doesn't even seem that long ago. We did that in December of 2001. That'll be seven years since we did Behind the seven Christmas. Years. Yeah. And you guys have been working together longer than me, but I've been working with you guys now for six and a half years. It was, well, you came on right, like, just Jeez. shortly after that. Right after that is when you joined us. Yeah, because yeah, so, yeah, it was Sue Anna, and I remember you guys had just, you'd recorded it that Christmas. Yep. Yep. That's um, the only reason you're not on it, is it was just a few months too too early for that, um, which is weird. Well, you know, I don't, can I just tell you this? It's maybe not too soon to be talking, but because we heard a Christmas commercial earlier today, I think, that... Um, I have no idea what we're going to do this year. Because last year we did that live radio play. Mm-hmm. I just have no idea. I have, I, I'll be was honest. Was that already almost a year ago? It was a year ago. We did... Uh, yeah, it did pretty well. It was fantastic. We, down, we thought it was going to be a disaster. We surprised ourselves. But that is yeah. the thing about live radio and especially live radio dramas. Man, it's without a net. I mean, you know, it's a tired cliche, but it's true. It could just be a disaster. It, uh, because we played it back on the 4th of July. Our Christmas and July show, we played it back. And you know what? One or two very, very minor glitches aside, it went really well. Uh, so I don't mind saying I have no idea what we're going to do this year. I have nothing. I have no idea what we will do for Christmas. Mm. It's I, I got. I have no ideas. I'm bereft. So, all right. Here's Tim Riley. Portland police say two women who claimed they were attacked and robbed made up the stories. In fact, they were the robbers. One suspect stole about thirteen thousand dollars from the safe of her employer, then waited for another employee to show up and free her. 
The other reportedly cut herself to convince police that the assailant with a knife had attacked her. Police said Rose Dunn, who was 20 at the time, was working at Elmer's at Northeast 82nd, when a morning manager discovered her hands were bound by duct tape. Now, she told investigators she was working late when somebody came in and forced her to open the safe. Now, Sergeant Schmaltz says uh, Dunn was angry at officers during the incident, but during the investigation, she refused to take a polygraph test, and then there was a duct tape. It was so loose, they wonder why she couldn't wiggle free. Those kinds of things have set up red flags. Another incident involved a McDonald's employee who claimed uh, she had been robbed while making a deposit at a Southeast Powell Boulevard, Wells Fargo. Police say the woman who wasn't identified had multiple holes in their story in regards to the time the robbery occurred and inconsistent inconsistencies. So they're doing the robberies, and then they... Yeah, she cut her own arms. <laughs> On well, 82nd. That, <laughs> that, is, that is dedication to one's, one's craft, I suppose. Well, well done. All right. See, yeah. the reasoning fluctuates as you go up these avenues. <laughs> <laughs> you enter a sort of temporal distortion field mm-hmm. uh, where logic and normal thoughts don't apply. All right. You're like one of those uh, guys on the ship in the Philadelphia experiment where your brain gets all wobbly. All right. Led by a surge of Democratic voter signups, to the surprise of no one here in Oregon, registration has set a record for the November 4th election. You know why? That's because of our PSAs here. That's, That's right. the PSAs we record urging people to vote. Is, is it in the system? It is. I play, it played this morning. Let's enter that in an award contest. <laughs> Doesn't the State Broadcasters Association have one every year? Yeah, can and I we t- can dress up in Texas and start walking toward the stage <laughs> whether we win it or not. Rick, what's it called? What's it called? You are an anarchist, Tim Riley, and I like it. We should totally do that. We should enter well, we that. We credit for anything. We, we should enter that in an OAB award or a first uh-huh. And then Tim is right. When they announce it, we should all just begin walking toward the stage, even if we haven't won. That's great. <laughs> they have to look like. And make them deny it to us. Make them tell us on the, on the dais that we haven't won. Mm-hmm. I like your style. I'm going to do that. Uh, we should say that Lacey's very happy with that PSA, and I, Where, and I what, mean what that is it called? Where sincerely. Would it be? In the, is there a tab? I think there's a PSA yeah, tab. There are two PSA tabs. I don't know. I, you have to want to vote right now and several times over. Let's all go to Ohio and vote multiple times. Um, yeah, Lacey is very happy with that PSA we recorded. We'll and, put but, all the feeling into and it. And if you haven't heard what we're talking about, um, there is a 30-second public service announcement running that features the voices of Sarah and Tim and, and myself. All my lines got cut, so I have one line. Well, it was an awkward length. It was, you know, it was too short to be a 60 and too long to be a 30. Lines got cut. Yeah, I only like Rick's like, oh, no, take out that line with Sarah. Take out that other line with Sarah. Because we, we did it as fast as we could. In the background. And it was it was still like 38 seconds long. So I told him, like, cut Sarah's lines. Um, and uh, anyway, and then uh, and then you know, Buzz imaged it and we put it in. Says I already played one this morning. Lacey came by my office. And we let's be very clear about this. Lacey Turner, who is our uh, our public affairs director, we she's love her. Awesome and she's she is scary great, and she's super rad. She is like at once like the most soft spoken and most profane, horrible person you've ever met in your life, which is great. Like she's, I love her because you never know what you're going to get because you can get like an angry screaming woman, or you can get like the bubbliest, happiest person in the world. Exactly. Like sometimes she is just great and full of just just daisies and sunshine, and then other times I will go down there and it's like she is just brass knuckling somebody like in the in the junk. She's just giving somebody just a big punch right in the store uh, and saying, well, I didn't ask you. I told you to effing do it. And she and keep in mind, Lacey weighs about 80 pounds. And so she's the tiniest woman you have ever seen in your life. And so I'll go down there and she's like, you son of a bitch. I told you to get it done. F you. And she will walk away. And then she'll see me and she'll go, hi, Rick. And she'll go off and like <laughs> sit down and like, you know, and start listening to Yanni or something. Uh, but she came by my office and she goes, I just want to say thank you. That PSA sounds so good. And 
you know, this election is the most important one we've ever had, and I really, really, really want to thank you guys for helping. It means the world to me. What one? And then she walked away. This is Rick Emerson reminding you, this election, you've got a lot of candidates, from the president to the guy who runs your state. And 12 ballot measures for Oregon, so this time we get two voters' pamphlets. But if you're registered to vote, you have no excuse not to make your voice count. We get a lot of good links on the AM970 website that explain everything. Oregon votes, the bus project. Clark County, Washington's vote by mail, too. So mail in your ballot before November 4th. So if you have to be the last minute, you can drop it off at your county elections office by 8 p.m. election day. What we're trying to say is, just vote. This message not bought or paid for by the committee to get our PSA director off our back. That's that, the only, that is the Citizen Kane of PSA. That's the only line I delivered with feeling. <laughs> I know we're both just in, we're all going there. Oh, now there are two. The poor happen. Joe uh, Cassavetti, who's the production guy, has this, you know, he's, all right, um, <laughs> what are you going to do with this? And it's like we couldn't read it correctly, and one of us kept mangling, well, all of us kept mangling our lines. Was say, Tim, the studio's dark, and, like, Tim tripped over something. Well, Tim tripped something and almost blew through the wall. <laughs> Tim tripped over something on the floor well, and nearly brained himself. And there's, well, if you walk into the production room, you walk in, and then there's a huge, like, square lump in the carpet that there's you no can't warning. see. No, oh, there's sure. no light. And then Tim kept dropping the word not and then adding it in later where it didn't belong. <laughs> uh, and then I and then I kept going, like, and just being marble-mouthed. And, and Joe Cassavetti's just going, look, um, how do you want me to do that? Just Let's just get this done. You know, and she's being very patient with us. So if you hear that, they're going to be begging for a sequel any time now. We're going to be their go-to department for PSAs, Tim. Should start the start selling that service. God, I had one line and I flubbed. I can hear myself going, "Two birds, someplace." And you're right that I can hear somebody going <laughs> in the background when it plays. All right, here's Tim Riley. Okay. Uh, so we're done with the election story, I think. Uh what? No. Uh, uh, oh, was story. It, the, the, what? Registration is way up or something? Yeah, way up, way up, way up. All right. A uh, Beaverton man died after getting run over by his own pickup truck. Forty-three-year-old Jack Price II got out of the red pickup after it stalled on the city street in Corvallis. He reached into the engine compartment in an apparent attempt to restart the vehicle. The truck suddenly restarted, surging forward, and ran Wow, over. are you kidding me? No. He's in front of the truck when the truck started by itself? Uh-huh. Paging Stephen King. Jesus. All right, so I'm just picturing Emilio Estevez looking into a gas pump. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's creepy. It is creepy. That's how it starts, you know, with trucks starting by themselves. Actually, it's not. It starts with your blender and your garbage disposal. Nancy Reagan has been hospitalized in Los Angeles. She broke her pelvis. She's 87 now. She fell at her home last week. So they're just discovering this broken pelvis all of a sudden? Maybe the maid only comes in every other week. <laughs> so she breaks her pelvis last week, and they bring her into the hospital today. <laughs> Mrs. Reagan? What? Hello? Uh, yeah. Nancy Reagan looks like the queen alien in the Aliens films, and you all know it's true. All right. Uh, so, uh, doctors determine, yes, yeah, she has a broken pelvis. She's in good spirits, though, as joking. much as somebody with a broken pelvis could be. I'm joking with doctors. Mrs. Reagan apparently, uh, let's see, got up in the middle of the night at her Bel Air home and fell and twisted her leg. And she's being treated at Ronald Reagan Hospital. Is that is that true? Yeah, the well, Ronald Reagan UCLA great. Medical Center. So how great is that? All right. Um, so, well, there you go. Broken pelvis. That's a bad thing to get. More injuries. This is a Cheney watch. Oh, do we have a Cheney? A long time for it's you. Been a long time. Here's your Cheney watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Here's your uh, Cheney watch for Wednesday. Let's see. I do have an update on this already. 
Dick Cheney is visiting George Washington University Hospital after doctors discovered a recurrence of an abnormal heart rhythm. The doctors discovered uh, that Cheney was experiencing a recurrence in the atrial fibrillation. He's running low on the blood of infants. An abnormal rhythm involving the upper chambers of the heart. He'll undergo a uh, restoration. Apparently, they'll restore his normal rhythm. Restore my normal rhythm right away. <laughs> Do it or I'll, or I'll have you killed. Uh, and Cheney also uh, experienced this back in November 2007, and doctors also administered an electric shock then. That irregular heartbeat was discovered when White House doctors who treated the vice president for a lingering cough from a cold. Uh, Cheney had four heart attacks starting when he was 37 years old. What is our thing for voting with people who have had four serious recurrences of a health problem? Quadruple bypass surgery and two artery clearing angioplasties. In 2001, he had a special pacemaker implanted in his chest, yet he refused to die. Well, that was just going to say Which we're happy about. Right. We're, say, we're glad. Dick Cheney. We're wishing him a long life and the best of health. But don't you get the feeling that, he's, that he is just holding on out of pure hate? Mm-hmm. He's just kept alive by pure malice. And I do, let me just say what everybody's thinking. We talk about Dick Cheney and how he, he's getting all of this weird stuff they're doing to him. You do just picture Vader just getting the full respirator thing and the chest plate and whatever put on and just, uh, you know, and, 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 and just sitting there with that weird cylinder thing coming down over his head. You just see the back of his dome or whatever. I mean, he just, uh, he just seems like a guy who, when death comes for Dick Cheney, Cheney just knees him right in the groin and sends him away and then has him, has him and his family killed. Uh, I mean, Cheney will not tolerate. Cheney will not tolerate any anything happening. He will be kept alive. He will he will keep himself alive through pure uh, vitriol uh, and evil at the time of memorial, for which we are glad because we wish Dick Cheney a long life and the best of health. He's an American patriot. Nothing but Tim. He serves you and I, Tim. Mm-hmm. He's a. Uh, he's, we haven't had a terrorist attack in years, thanks to Dick Cheney. He's he's a loyalist to the people. All right, there's your Cheney watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. A British tabloid is reporting that Madonna's marriage to Guy Ritchie is really, truly, finally over. The Sun says it uh, means this time, although it quotes anonymous sources who insist the official announcement is still in the works, which it is, even Madonna's people said, it's over. The pop diva and her movie producer, Hubby, you hate that word, have apparently had more than the usual amount of squabbles in the amount of time that uh, one gets. Well, she seems so easygoing, though. Mm -hmm. Well, she's never home. Uh, Madonna reportedly wanted to wait until she wrapped up her current U.S. tour, but Richie wanted out by Christmas. The couple put on a good face for the public this year, lying over and over again. <laughs> Madonna uh, came to the uh, premiere of Richie's film, Rock and Rolla, and he uh, wished her well at the launch of her Sticky and Sweet tour. But then, okay, now we were talking to Nina Parker from TMZ about this yesterday. So, but, but, but Madonna had some movie premiere on Monday mm-hmm. in New York, right? Yes. Does anybody know what this movie is? It's like the filthy and stinky or something. <laughs> the filthy and the what was stinky. It called? I don't know. I I know nothing about it. The old dirty sock. I don't know. I know it has something with filthy. <laughs> Bag full of suet, starring Madonna. Madonna. I have no idea. I don't. Uh, I I have no idea what that would be. I guess she made it on like three hundred dollars. Madonna's film. No, no, <laughs> three hundred dollars. Seriously. Madonna and her three hundred dollar <laughs> film. Three hundred dollars. <laughs> I don't know. I don't Filth think that's wisdom. true. It's called Filth and Wisdom. I read it. Okay. It must be true. It was on the Internet. Uh-huh. And so, but this is the thing where, like, Guy Ritchie didn't even come to the, uh, 
He didn't even come to the premiere, right? No. All right. So there you go. Anyway, well, whatever. Um, and this is her second marriage? Because it was just Sean Penn and then this guy. Sean Penn. Yeah. All right. It just, then she got impregnated by her trainer. It's just, yeah, it's now, wait, that is true, right? That's not a rumor. No, she no, she liked him. She wanted to seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, that should be enough for her. She should quit marrying. That's uh, it, It's time to draw draw a curtain down on that section of your uh, section of your life, Toots. All right. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, bon Jovi is not Joviel after learning that Sarah Palin played his song, Who Says You Can't Go Home, yesterday and the day before that at rallies for the Republican presidential nomination. The musician says neither Palin or Republican uh, nominee John McCain asked his permission to use the song. It says, quote, we do not approve of their use of home. He is a clear supporter of Barack Obama. He recently threw a dinner party at his home to raise funds, charging guests $30,800 a plate. Van Halen, Hart, the Foo Fighters, and John Mellencamp, among the artists who asked the McCain-Palin camp to stop using their music at election rallies. And, you know, and this is another one of those stories. It's like that flower that smells like rotting bodies or whatever. It's one of those stories you get about every three months during an election cycle. Where somebody uses a song and then somebody's upset about it, and it's all and it's all and it's always the same one. It's always Pink Houses and Born in the USA, and then whatever U2 has released. So anyway, the latest being uh, being John Bon Jovi. Here's Tim Riley. A new father has secretly named his baby girl Sarah McCain Palin. Mark Cepak of Elizabethtown, Tennessee, put the name on the documents for the girl's birth certificate, ignoring the name Ava Grace, which he and his wife had picked out earlier. I don't think she believes me yet. He told the uh, Knightsburg Time News in a story published Tuesday, it's going to take some more convincing. What is his last name? Siptak. <laughs> Siptak. Are you sure that isn't like a special SWAT team the cops use to go take down terrorists somewhere? I'm sorry, we need the Siptak team. Stat. Now. He's, Damn it. He's a blood bank employee. Uh-huh. He said he named his third child after John McCain and Sarah Palin to get the word out. Siptak. All right, so the baby's name is Sarah McCain Palin Siptak. <laughs> He should be sterilized right now. No more kids for him. But what did his wife want to name her? Uh, let's see. Ava Grace. Ava Grace is a perfectly acceptable name. All right. I Never mind. I'm just going to, you know, there's any number of bad names in this world. But but Sarah McCain Palin Siptak. Is it, Siptak is no last name to have. It's $50. Go change your last name to Stone or Smith or... Isn't that a breath mint? Shrinkenstein or something. What? Siptak. No, a Siptak is. Siptak sounds for all the world like either some sort of counterterrorism squad that the NYPD would have, or or like a fictitious counterterrorism squad that you would see deployed during an episode of CSI or something, or uh, like a coalition of, uh, of of a product producing nations. You know, like a NATO kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. It would be Siptak, which is the uh, Siptak would be the uh, South Indonesian Petroleum Taxing Association Committee or whatever. And then you would see Dan and Bash going, well, SIPTAC sources say that they are not going to be lowering the prices any time before the end of fiscal year 2010. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey, First by the all... way, just as a side note, when did people w- whose names were spelled D-A-N-A start pronouncing that Dana? It's got one N, it's Dana. Two N's is Dana. I don't know anybody named Dana. Dana Bash from CNN, D-A-N-A, Dana Bash. And then uh, for my outside project thing, I interviewed a woman the other day, Dana something or other, and D-A-N-A. Add a second end to that. It's not hard. How can I help you, sir? Hey, yeah, just first of all, I wanted to say mad props on the Cheney-Vader reference. That was excellent. Yeah, I think everybody but everybody does look at Dick Cheney, and it's this sort of – I don't even dislike him. I know that everybody, you know, the, the, the people on you know, the, 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 um, people on the left uh, think that he's evil and whatever, and he is. 
But I don't dislike him the way that I, the way that I, like, in other words, I think a lot of us, you look at George W. Bush and you just go, oh, God damn. Like, you just, you're just filled with loathing and just, and just contempt. With Cheney, you know what I feel for Cheney when I look at him is like a really, when I look at Dick Cheney, I feel a very cautious and on, and on guard respect. You know what I mean? Like when you stumble across a wild, powerful animal in the woods, a very dangerous but powerful creature of some kind, like a mountain lion or something, and you kind of go, all right then, well... You go that way, and I'll go this way, and let's just avoid each other. That's how I feel about Dick Cheney. I respect but fear him. Hey, and secondly, real quick, somebody go back there and give that man a cigarette. He's about to die, I swear. Who? Uh, who who's answering the phone? Richie. Richie? Oh, Richie, yeah. He, he sounds like he's like about to die for a cigarette back there. Let's I'm find out. to fall asleep or something. Hey, Richie, on a scale of 1 to 10, how good do you feel? I <laughs> <laughs> don't know. He can't even form words. All right, Richie, resist the urge to smoke. All right, thank you, sir. All right, there you go. Uh, yeah, let's, Richie, resist the urge to smoke. Your body is a temple of Buddha or whatever. Here's Tim Riley. Oh. What? Well, I can't talk about this kind of. Do we have breaking news? Well, no. Well, I'm going to play this back later before I play it here. Apparently, uh, Kira Phillips, remember her, who called her uh, brother-in-law a control freak when she left your microphone on when she went to the ladies' room? Wait, no. Oh, right, from CNN. Oh, yeah. oh she's hot. Uh, well, apparently, she called a Republican contributor the C-word on the air twice. <gasps> I love it when women call other women that word. It is hilarious. It's a great word. It is an amazing word. I think that all women should embrace it. You should it. take it back. Oh, I, um, I say it all the time. It doesn't... It only offends you if you let it. That's what I'm, see, there you go. That's what I'm saying, sir. Why can't more people be like you? Well, then you wouldn't be a special. Uh, but, so wait, Kira Phillips, who is hot, mm-hmm. who was a caught on mic on CNN, uh, calling, was in the ladies room that day. and calling her brother and sister-in-law, like, control freaks Which and nutcases. Which was the greatest thing that happened to her career line. She was on all the talk shows after yeah. that, defending herself. Do we still have that audio? I, and if, I can't remember if it was clean or not. I think it had to be bleeped, because I think she said, like... I think she was talking about her brother and the woman her brother had married. I think she was saying, well, she's an effing control freak and a nutcase or something. Um, uh, oh, wow. Okay, I got to okay, let's get a hold of myself here. Do you ever click on a link and then you realize you've got to stop and get things under control? Mm-hmm. Somebody just sent me, attention, uh, attention human resource. Somebody just sent me a link to the full Sarah Palin porn film streaming online. I'm going to close that right now and I'm going to open it later. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to look at it right here in the studio, but I'm going to wait. Um, this, is your special, this is our special bubble. I can do whatever I want in here. It's show prep. Well, you can get away with it if you're running the board. That's... Yes, you can, Tim. Uh, okay, so Kira, so Kira Phillips from CNN. Yes. Is this in her position as CNN correspondent? Yes. Mm-hmm. She is caught, allegedly, on camera, mm-hmm. or on mic anyway, yes. calling a Republican contributor. So this is during a stop set? It looks like it's during an interview. I'm looking at... Why would she have said the C word during an interview? That doesn't make any sense. I know. Where where did you get this story? I got it from Perez Hilton. All right. Uh, Well, we'll, we'll, during the break, we'll figure this out. Yeah, we'll do it during the break. All right. Get the C word out of here. Here's Tim Riley. How cold is it? Cold temperatures set several new record lows over the weekend, including 22 degrees in downtown Pendleton. It broke a 118-year-old record of 24. Record lows started falling today. Lows are going to reach a 20 in Meacham. And uh, Hepner and Long Creek also said... Who ever heard of these places before these low temperatures? Hepner and Long Creek. I know about Hepner because I have to drive by it on my way to Kennewick. Uh, right by Iona. How about Mitchell? Mitchell. 
And let's see. We Pendleton, Pendleton again. So Pendleton is there. not Mitchell. Yeah, well, so it was cold where I was this morning. That's really. It was cold where I was this morning too. I gotta get the. Uh, I gotta get the guy to come make sure I got enough oil, oil as they say, because uh, I'm getting to the point where you don't want to leave the dog. First of all, mm-hmm. let me just say this right now. Yes, it's true. My dogs now both have sweaters, and in fact, there was a there was a point this weekend when Max, Philo, Lara, and I all had sweaters on, not matching, but still. Yes, all of us were sitting around the house wearing sweaters. The sweater family. Uh, and they've got different sweaters. Max has a turtleneck with some little piping. Mm-hmm. And then Philo has, what is it, a McKinley? McKenzie? It's a button-up. It, it's a sweater that has little buttons on the front of it. Macintosh? Something like that. I don't that. remember. No, Macintosh is that other thing. But, uh, hey, I have a dog question, but uh, we probably don't do it. We probably should break, get a, get, a, get ahead of the curve. All right, let's here. take a break. When I come back, I have a question for you about dogs. Uh, we won't dwell a lot on it, so it's just going to be very brief. But I have a question for you all. Oh, by the way, this guy says it all started with Dana Patrick, race car driver. All of a sudden, Dana became Dana. Oh, I can see that. All right, it's uh, 503-733-2970. Still on the way today, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. And, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Ben Bailey from Cash Cab. Uh, what else? Grave Watch. Clown Watch. Uh, and we will do the Visa final presidential debate drinking game. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Still in my office. Gosh, Michael, I am kind of the president. And I have no problem with that, but it is just a title, remember? You know, just doing this to appease the stockholders while they scrutinize me for dad's crimes. Hey, look, dad may have illegally built some homes in Iraq, which is kind of not cool. But, you know, that's why I've got a business model that I think is going to restore the image of our company. We're going to build a second model home. That's great. Can I announce it to the board? Gee, it is my business model. I mean, if you had a business model, then by all means, you go in there and do your little Tell you what dance. we're going to do. Rock, paper, scissors for it. No, no, I'm not. One, two, three. Paper covers rock. Ah, it is a rock, though. She beat everything. There's not a lot of logic to it. It's kind of like on a boat with women and children first. I mean, why should they? Before I forget, I'm buying a company boat. Sorry? That morning, Job had gone to a boat show where he saw something he wanted. Hello. Hi. What a beauty. Thank you. I met you. Wow. Job flirted with her for a while and finally asked for a number. Digits. I'm sorry, I don't give it out without a firm offer. Oh, I'll make you a firm offer. Unfortunately, she wasn't flirting. Here again, please. The C word. You're not getting a boat. One, two, three. Paper covers rock. Fine, but rock sinks boat. Michael. Mom, I'm, I'm, I'm right in the middle of something. Get rid of the C word. I'll leave when I'm good and ready. Indeed. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Upon further reflection, I think we're not going to play that Kara Phillips cut. Yeah. Here's... Although it's hilarious. And, and in case you want to know how our effed-up government operates... Because people are, I got, um, let me pull up a chair. Two things. Um, so we got this guy, two, two guys actually. So one guy who's writing some term paper, some thesis, some something or other about radio. And so he's going to come and interview us for whatever reason. And uh, he's going to talk to us and, you know, and, and Sue's going to get whatever. And then, but I got some other email yesterday, two days ago, somebody who's doing a whole essay, something or other, about um, you know about what you can't about it, what they call censorship on the air. What you can and cannot say. Uh, so anybody, by the way, who who wants just a weird uh, window into that, um, 
we were just listening to this Kira Phillips cut that Tim had teased before the news. Now, are you going to post that somewhere? I'm thinking about it. I'm I can, or is it on YouTube? It, it's on Perez Hilton. Uh, is it? But is it a YouTube video? I don't think. I so. could. I wonder where I could find. It. Anyway, but it is CNN anchor pundit Kira Phillips mm-hmm. getting ready to introduce or to talk about a GOP consultant. Is that yes. uh, the thing? Yes. So she. How do I put this? This is on live television. She is trying to say the words GOP consultant, and she stutters a little bit on the word consultant. She stutters, and twice in rapid succession, sounds basically sounds a lot like uh, the C word. Mm-hmm. And so the weird thing is, let's, let's all be very clear about this, we're not going to play that, but we probably could. That's, that's the really messed up thing about that, mm-hmm. is we probably could, because... Because it's not that word. It's not being said for titillating or prurient effect. It is uh, a fleeting utterance and so forth. So we're not going to play it. But that's one of those little angels on the head of a pin thing. Uh, things where you, you think about it and you go, well, really, I mean, technically speaking, we could probably play it and get away with it. Uh, we will not. Uh, but we'll post that. We'll try to post that either at RileyLive.com or RickEmerson.com. Uh, can I... Can, well, never mind. Never mind. I'll watch it later. I'll watch it later in another room. I was going to say, what would her face look like? I'm going to post it when I go into another room. What does her face look like when she says it? When she you realizes, can't see her face. She's really? Not, she's not on screen. Do they react to it when she stutters on the yes. word consultant and it sounds like a C word? Do they re- does They're everybody, laughing. Does everybody kind of go, boned? And this is all true. Don't forget, coming up later on today, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. We'll also have Ben Bailey from Cash Cab. I gotta quit saying it that way because then I'm gonna shout at him when I pick him up. What else is he talking? Is he promoting something else? Is he doing comedy? Because I know he does stand-up comedy. So I gotta figure out what he's promoting in addition to Cash Cab, which airs on the Discovery Channel. Uh, anyway, hey, let's go around the room here quickly on Cash Cab. So if, if let's say you're ahead of the game, let's say you got a few, let's say you got 500 bucks. Do you do the final bonus question or not, Sarah? No, I do not. Tim. No. See, for me, Would if. You do it? If it's me or me and some one other person, if it's me or me and one other person total, like uh, I would do it or, or I would pass rather. I take the money, you know, and run. I take the cash in hand, the sure thing. I would say if I had more than two people, if there were three or more of us in the cab, because sometimes you watch that show and there's like five people, then I would go for the bonus question on cash cab because you figure the odds are with you. And that question sometimes is easier, and you got five people there. Um, if it's just me or me and another person though, I take however much money I got and I get out. Uh, because then you can just blow it on something. The cash cab paid for this. All right. Hello, Tim. More than a million headsets are being recalled after reports that they burst into flames. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cough into the microphone like that. When I read it, I just couldn't That's help but smile. Great. Well, the hey, Bob, how's th- this problem seems to be an internal short circuit that causes the lithium-ion polymer batteries to overheat. How's that new cold play? <laughs> There have been three reports of open flames. That is wonderful. What uh, brand? What type of headphones? Uh, this is, let's see, GN Netcom wireless headphones made in Nashua, New Hampshire. Uh, your hometown continues to give, Tim. We do make duct tape there, and there has been a problem with that. You make duct tape, uh, Tim Riley and Josiah Bartlett, and headphones that burst into flames. That's pretty great. I mean, unless you're wearing them. I like uh, electronic devices that just burst into open flame when you're, I mean, when you're not expecting. There was that old thing with laptops a few years ago. Where they had all those awkward news stories about guys burning their junk, and oh, yeah. clearly it was because they were surfing porn, they like nude, and then they had the laptop on on their junk, and then and then she gets the sizzle on. All right, that's one. How many occasions did that happen? I, there was in the course of a. It was one of those stories. It was like the shark attack thing, uh-huh. where 
not that many, but over the course of three months, there was like two or three real kind of big splashy stories by guys who had burned their scrotum uh, because they had a laptop sitting on their junk mm-hmm. while surfing the net, and they were preoccupied with something. And then they realized that they were giving themselves a burn. So, uh, anyway. Yeah. Well, you need quality furniture. I guess that wouldn't happen. That's what I'm saying, Tim. Have you got and got a little table for that laptop? Can I just say, by the way, uh, really, for any prospective clients out there, people are perhaps weighing where their advertising dollars might best be spent. And I'm not just saying this, Tim. I really mean this. Your, uh, your EcoPDX commercial you just did, were you talking about them? That was a fantastic Way to go about it. You're talking about winter because it's true. Nice. Winter's coming. Mm-hmm. It's going to be cold, yes. miserable yes. inside. You want your home to be comfortable. And that's absolutely true. That was exactly the way to do it. So really, uh, anybody who is not advertising on this very fine radio station and show, you're missing out on the genius that is Sarah Dillon, Tim Riley, myself, and I'm talking about your business or service. The list is growing. Call Michael Pashana. Mm-hmm. All right, here's Tim Riley. No recession here, I tell you. That's what I'm saying, Tim. Business as usual. Even better. Uh, from Hollywood comes word, Gail Harold is in critical condition. This after the Desperate Housewives actor crashes motorcycle. He was uh, driving around Los Angeles. They say they're hearing he's going to be fine and recover in a couple of weeks. However, his doctor says he has swelling of the brain. Ah. Uh, Harold plays uh, Jackson, the boyfriend of Terry Hatcher's character Susan Meyer in Desperate Housewives. He also starred as Brian Kinney on Queer as Folk on Showtime a few years ago. So this is where the publicist says he's fine. The doctor says swelling in the brain. So I I would say tie goes to the doctor in this case. All right. Meanwhile, the kids suffer this time because Macy's kicked out high school, actually middle school bands. Band members at three Oregon middle schools won't be marching in the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Day Parade, even after they've been practicing for weeks. Somebody's heart is two sizes too small, Tim. They're going to be going home in tears. Well, that Macy's spokeswoman Denise Hilton said the company added three of its own floats, and they needed the room for their own floats. Out go the kids. Nope. They had to drop some participants. Let me just say this. We love Macy's. I think they're an advertiser. They might be. I think they're an advertiser. I like Macy's much better than Myron Frank. Hey, well, let me just... It's a much better store. I would agree with you on that, and let me and just... friendlier, too. Let me make this observation, too. That shirt I was wearing yesterday, because I've been complaining lately about trying to find something that fits my, my abnormal torso, mm-hmm. fits it, it fits actually really well, and I, I got it at Macy's. That is a true story. I bought it there. And uh, the last time, I remember we complained on the air that they didn't have any... Men's trousers with a 31 waist. Yes. The next time I went in, 31 waist everywhere. That's because they know who you are. Also, that money clip, did I give you, for your birthday or whatever, did I give you the same money clip that I have, the S1, Sarah? Yep. Now, do you use that? Mm-hmm. All right. Because uh, I, wanted I to usually give ma- them, if I have a smaller bag or something, because I usually always carry my wallet, but if I'm going to the river or if I'm going to a show or something, I'll just, yeah, clip in my ID and my debit card and then money on the other side. You know, I got that was Macy's. So there you go. I'm just I'm not a paid endorsement. I'm just saying that's where I've purchased many that money clip which I have right now in my pocket. I'm gonna do this. I have mine in here too. I do this like uh, I do this like twice uh, twice a month. I don't have any cash on me. Now I know you don't carry cash because you're above that, Tim. But uh, so you have no need that's for it. a money clip. There you go. See, look at that. See, there it is no, in action right if there. If I carry cash, then it makes me doing quicken at the end of the month a little more difficult. Okay, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, what was my point? Oh, but so anyway, we, you know, we all love Macy's. Great store, great parade, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't understand when you mean when they say they ran out of room. Well, what happened is... It's, it's a on, long line. No, no, right it, at the end. it's on TV for an hour. Is that all? Yeah. So the parade is on TV for an hour, so they had to, to cut it out so they could fit everything on the TV. Well, but can't they still march in the parade and just not be on TV? I mean, they're still going to be in front of thousands of screaming people. It's in, in ticker tape and confetti or whatever. It's cheering. Like parades, I suppose. Well, I don't. No one does. But uh, but I'm just. I didn't know that it was an hour. I thought when the Macy's parade happened, it was one of those open-ended events where just it was however long it took for the parade to happen. 
But I guess maybe that doesn't make sense because I guess the camera isn't in one fixed location letting everything come by. Mm -hmm. I guess they just cut to various cameras throughout the parade, and then when the hour is done, you know, when Al Roker's done making observations about, you know, Snoopy or whatever, then they then they come. All right, well, sorry about that. Sorry about your tears, kids. Your sweet, sweet tears that taste like wine. Here's Tim Riley. You better toughen up because life is like that all the time. Exactly. You'll be kicked out of plenty of parades, kids. Your dreams will be crushed and destroyed. Nothing you desire will ever come true. Life is a long line of being kicked out of parades. A series of down endings, and then you die old and alone in a cancer ward. Time for a grave watch. Wow, look at that. Alley-oop, baby. Uh, Here's your grave watch for Wednesday. A corpse watch. Grave watch. Same thing on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. I'm digging up bones. I'm digging up bones. Zooming things that's better left alone. I love this song, this Randy Travis song. Somebody really needs to remake this. And maybe like one of those, uh, like some uh, some sort of morbid rock band. Like some, maybe not a, maybe not sped up, maybe keep it slow, but some sort of a creepy rock band. Like Murder by Death or a band like that. They need to redo that uh, Digging a Bone song. What about that uh, band you were talking about earlier? What Chris band? Chris Paddock. That right said right Fred. Fred. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm digging up bones. <laughs> um... The, uh, I don't know whether this is a grave watch or a Darwin watch. I really couldn't figure it out, so we just called it a grave watch, which is kind of the same music as a corpse watch. But you'll understand my difficulty here when you hear the story. Right. A 77-year-old man died in a cemetery in western Quebec after a tombstone fell on top of him. The man had gone to St. Gregoire Cemetery to visit the site where his parents were buried and was digging next to the tombstone when it fell. Why was he digging See, home? that's my question. So he died... First of all, that's pretty great. He died when a tombstone tipped over and crushed him. Mm-hmm. I mean, so like one stop, no waiting. But then why was he digging? It appears that he moved the stone and was digging a hole around the foundation when the concrete block fell on his back. Yeah. <laughs> Family comes back from the dead. Another visitor to the cemetery noticed an apparently abandoned car on the grounds at the corner of the street and called police after 7 o'clock. Officers searched the cemetery for the car driver and found the man under the gravestone. Paramedics pronounced them dead at the scene. Are you just picturing like little cartoon shoes sticking up? He was digging the tombstone up, and then it fell on him? Well, it's, I'm unclear, because now do they have a picture of it? They, let's see, have a picture of an ambulance in the cemetery. In other words, I'm wondering, is they it... wouldn't have a picture of him crushed into the tombstone. But I'm wondering, in other words, was it just a regular little round-top tombstone like in the cartoons, or is it like a pillar? No, it seems like a, an ordinary gravestone, but they are heavy. I guess that's true. But I mean, he's 77 years old. So I'm trying to figure out why he would be digging, though. That's my thing. It's like he goes to the cemetery to visit his family... Mm. Why is he digging? And he must have... And, and see, but here's the other thing. Wait, I mean, it, so, it sounds like something a teenager would do, you know, digging up skulls to make methamphetamine in. Not a 77-year-old man. I guess. Um, because my other thing is, okay, if it's just a regular tombstone that's like, say, two feet high, mm-hmm. I don't understand. I mean, unless it tipped over and pinned him and then he died from being pinned. Because my whole thing is, it doesn't seem like it would be high enough or tall enough to fall over and kill him. And, in fact, it seems low enough to the ground it would be really hard for it to tip over anyway. Maybe he was a short man. There's something weird about this story. It seems like it had to have either been on a hill or he was in some sunken area or maybe he it was a pillar that was really tall. Because I'm picturing him going out like Ed Harris in Creepshow. You know, he's laying there and then, uh, you know, right there. So, well, in any event. So there you go. So we're going to call that a grave watch. There's your grave watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio. I'm digging up home. I'm digging up.
KCMD Portland, the home of quality. Here's Tim Riley. Now, more bad news out of Wapato, Washington. A boy has died. What part of Washington? Wapato. Oh. W-A-P-A-T-O. I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was a sad story. I was making a dumb pun. I'm sorry. A child died after being hit by a fallen widescreen television at his home. The police say the boy had stopped breathing by the time officers arrived at the house. He was pronounced dead at Yakima Valley Medical Center. The autopsy shows the boy died of a basal skull fracture. The TV was 37 to 40 inches wide. How, how old was the kid? It says here, four. Ah, oh, that sucks. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make a pun about that. Here's Tim Riley. No, that's all right. Uh, let's do a clown watch. Creepy. It's watch. All right. Here's uh, your clown watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. <laughs> You know, this music reminds me it's almost time for our Joy of Christmas segment to begin. Oh, that's Start true. that after Halloween. All right, here's Tim Riley. You know, I noticed Christmas decorations in my neighborhood. People used to to uh, decorate for Halloween and then take down the Halloween decorations but of Christmas. But now they're skipping Halloween and going directly to Christmas. I am not skipping Halloween. This weekend, it's uh, going to be decorating at a time at my house. And, you know, here's the thing. I don't, you know, no one comes into my home and kids in my neighborhood don't trick or treat. Uh, they've already got they've already got bags of something to use. I think use it's stick them up. <laughs> <laughs> Trick or die. Um, yeah. So you know, I think I I think I told the story last year that I got the big bowl of candy and I was you know I was doing my lame Halloween suburban guy thing. Come on, kids! I got one one kid all night long, and I think the parents just sent him by because they felt sorry for me because I was just sitting with a sad bag of candy. Um, so kids don't trick or treat in my neighborhood. So the decorations are all inside the house. I don't really decorate the outside of the house. Um, it's all inside, and you know what? It, my my brother uh, came over, and my brother, you know, he was like, yeah, he was being kind of a, a dick about it. I remember he was being kind of snarky, going, yeah, just, you know, when did you become like, you know, lame suburban decorate your house guy? And I was like, you know what? F you. This is Halloween. It's different. I decorate the house for Halloween. I decorate the house. Call me whatever you want. Halloween and Christmas, uh, my two favorite holidays, and I go all out. Well, you shouldn't insult the host of the home. Yeah, seriously. People come over your house and insult you. And I'm family. You know, come That's on. Families of four. Little they always want you to fail. <laughs> yes, they, yes, they do. Uh, fortunately, my family usually doesn't disappoint on that score. Um, but uh, what was I saying? Oh, so I decorate, uh, you know, the inside of my house for Halloween. The only decorations that you can really see from the outdoors or outdoor, whatever it is, uh, it, my street, you go to my house, I have this, um, it's not wrought iron, but it looks like that. It's, uh, it's, it's a little, it's a, it's a metal sort of haunted mansion kind of thing, and it's about maybe a foot high and about three feet across, and it's a black metal uh, haunted mansion with purple windows, and you put little votive candles behind the windows, and they they glow purple. And so you put it in the window of my house, and you can see this kind of haunted mansion thing glowing in the window, which is really cool. So there's that, and then, of course, I got that uh, big-ass, that cast iron jack-o'-lantern thing that that guy made for us years ago. That I bring here to work and I put in the lobby, but then on Halloween I put it on top of my house where the hooligans can't get at it, uh, and then I, you know, I light that up. So how in God's name do you get that on top of your house? Because there's a window in our house that goes out onto part of the roof, so you can't get there from the ground. But there's a there's a window in my house that goes out on part of the roof because the roof is sort of angled weirdly. Um, and so and all the I, burglars are standing across the street watching. <laughs> so I put the jack o' lantern on top of my uh, on top of my my house and then I leave it there. But uh, other than that, everything is just inside, man. So I got like the huge crate of Halloween decorations in the basement, 
And this weekend, they're all going up. My house is going to be festooned with uh, All Hallows' Eve uh, gimmickry and geegaws. Just from one room to another. But then, as soon as Halloween is done, bam, I go right to Christmas. Christmas lights go up on, on November 1st. I don't give a damn. Uh, Thanksgiving doesn't even exist in my world. I go right to Christmas. Parents on Chicago's south side are on edge after reports that a man dressed as a clown had tried to lure several students into his van. Oh, I forgot we were on a clown watch. Oh, yeah. Now. Oh, damn this, you. This creepy clown has been spotted four times in the past week on the city's west and south side. All right. Can he wears a wig and full face paint and carries balloons when he approaches okay, children. Okay, stop. Oh. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to read that story again from the beginning with the clown watch underneath it. So we'll drop the clown watch bed a little bit. And How we'll do we read get out of the clown watch? Because uh, we're talking about Halloween. Oh. All right, go ahead, Tim. Clown watch. The hunt is underway in Chicago for a creepy clown who stalks children. Paris on Chicago's south side are on edge after reports that a man dressed as a clown has tried to lure several children into his van. This creepy clown has been spotted four times in the past week on the city's west and south side. He wears a wig and full face paint, carries balloons when he approaches children. In each case, he tries to coax kids into his vehicle, described in most cases as a white four-door van with a broken rear window. Of course, it's a van. And another instance of a uh, being a brown pickup truck. Area schools are on alert. Some have sent home letters telling parents to warn them not to talk to strangers or clowns. Who can disagree? Christ Almighty. That is your clown watch. Jesus. We now continue. I mean, I guess I should have expected when you said, you know, creepy clown watch. Wow. You know, in Chicago, you know why that has a special, special relevance for Chicago. Uh, you know why that's especially terrifying? Because Susan Reynolds comes from there? Well, also that. Uh, because Chicago, of course, home of John Wayne Gacy. Oh, yeah. Who dressed as Pogo the Clown. Uh, the, the evilest clown of them all. Uh, we could do. Wait, are there top five evil clowns? John Wayne Gacy, Pennywise. I think that's it. Well, this guy. Yeah. I think that's it. I don't think we could do five evil. Oh, the clown from Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Wait, John Wayne Gacy. Are you talking about? Then you said Pennywise from it. Right? Pennywise, the clown from Poltergeist. Clown from Poltergeist. You've seen Poltergeist. Yeah, but I don't remember a clown. Really? Oh, the, oh, the doll. The yeah, the doll and the yeah. kid, and it has the arm that stretches out. Uh, see, and I'm not afraid of. I mean. I'm afraid of clowns like everybody is. I don't have coulrophobia, though. I, I'm not, you know, my friend Lee that I went to high school with, she had, and we thought she was joking. We thought, you know, and do you ever do that, too, where somebody has a phobia and you think they're just kind of screwing with you, and so you subject them to it? You're not really afraid of spiders. Let me shove your face into a box full of them. And then you realize, like, they, they really weren't screwing with you. They really do have a terrifying, uh, you know, incapacitating uh, fear of whatever. Lee had this fear of clowns, and um, we kind of thought she was screwing with us. And then one of our friends put a huge clown doll in her locker at school one day. Oh, that's horrible. Well, we thought she was just being kooky about it. You know, kind of like, well, I don't really care for spiders. So she's, she's you know, like like maybe you don't care for them, but we didn't think it was like a... The people who like are afraid a, of clowns are afraid yeah. of clowns. We didn't think it was paralyzing or anything. And so she, they didn't take her out in the middle of a pond, threw her up the boat in a sea full of clowns. <laughs> that's the worst thing I've ever heard. I don't even know how you do that. Well, you, you fill up a pond full of clowns, take somebody on the boat, throw them off. Step one, fill pond with oh, clowns. Overcome your fear, or you're going to drown with the clown. You're going to drown with the clown. Luca Brasi drowns with the clowns. I love the show. Um, but so they stuck a clown doll into her locker at school. I feel like such a bastard even telling this story. I, th- I think back to how what jerks we were. So there's Lee. 
I'm just going to my locker. Don't expect anything. And she opens a locker, and there's a cl- Can you imagine? There's a clown staring at you from your locker. I don't know how she didn't wet herself. Jesus. Yeah, we, we felt so... And, because, and then that was when we found out. Because I think somebody found her, and she was just kind of going, uh, uh, clown in my locker, uh, clown in my locker. Uh, we felt so terrible. So, um, anyway, but that's where John Wayne Gacy plied his clown trade uh, to, the, uh, to the score of 33. So, Jesus. Sorry. One of my teachers in high school, Miss Swanson, was terrified of clowns. So even if someone had, like, a picture of a clown on right. one of their... It, I think it's just people build up these neuroses, too, because, like, she's just told herself so many years that she's afraid of them that she would get worked up over just a picture of one of them. And it's probably a more prevalent phobia than it used to be because of stories like this, mm-hmm. because of things like this in the media. I hate to make this comparison. Please forgive me. It's kind of like that furry thing, the phenomenon where I think people have a latent whatever, and the Internet sort of triggers it sometimes, uh, you know, and it gets magnified because of that. And I think it might be the same thing with this clown business. So, Jesus. Yeah, so John Wayne Gacy, he's the, yeah, he's the worst clown ever. Yeah, clowns are no good. Well, Alfred Hitchcock's had that, you know, he had that great statement like 50 years ago. He said, there's nothing scarier than a clown after midnight. So, uh, damn, that ain't right. No, it's not right. All right, well, sorry, but you had to stay away from strange clowns, kids. Here's Tim Riley. The Dow suffered a deep drop immediately after the closing bell on Wall Street, ending 738 points down on the day at 8573. The Nasdaq had a miserable day, closing 151 points lower at 1628. The S&P 500 closed at 907, a loss of 91 points. Well, we're just moments away. Well, not moments, but hours away from the debate. We're going to be covering it. I was looking at my watch. Like, I know. Really? <laughs> okay. Oh, Tim. I'm so excited. Are you guys excited? Yes. Now, I thought you were not excited. I thought no, you I were excited sort of... about the last one. I'm excited about this one. And is it because... This is it. Are this you ex- is that match. Are you excited about it because uh, because you're you're thinking, from your perspective, are you excited because you are hoping Obama just nails it shut? I hope he does. And he sews you know it up. He really let me down last, uh, you know, the last debate last week. I'm hoping, you know, if everyone's already prepping for McCain to just be an evil bastard in this one, I'm really hoping that Obama... He's running out of time to be evil. Yeah. Yeah, I hope that Obama just, like, stands his ground and doesn't doesn't take it. See, but... See, now, at the risk of opening an unpleasant can of worms from the past, this is the whole thing with the the Biden-Palin debate. And where people just got all over my... And maybe in Storm, I think Storm probably got the same email. People just got all up in my business over the next day or two. People just give me all kinds of ration of crap. Because I said that, that Palin really nailed it shut, in my opinion, that, that she did a better job than Biden. Let's let's be clear about this. And again, I want to revisit the whole thing, but not in terms of intellect. I mean, she's obviously, a, you know, the complete doofus. I mean, she's clearly, uh, she has a, a brain like a tree stump. I mean, everybody knows that that's true. So, but just in terms of bringing the fight to him, you know, Storm and I both thought, and I can't speak for Tim, but Storm and I both thought that Palin did the better job of taking the fight you know, where it needed to go, that Biden stood there and just sort of took the punches. He did the rope-a-dope, and Biden was just trying to run out the clock on the whole thing. But that Palin kept trying to land body blows. And, I mean, that's that's the thing in politics. You're all, you, in politics, in my opinion, you are always you're, – you're either on offense or defense. There's no middle ground. You are either attacking or you are defending. And in that Palin-Biden debate, Storm and I kept giving it, giving it up for Sarah Palin because we felt like, okay, at the least, you know, you know you, look, she's dense, but at least she's on offense. Um and we kept wanting Biden to punch back. That was our thing. We kept going like, come on, man. Like, go, mm-hmm. go back. Like, get, smack her around. Give her what she's got coming to her. You know what I mean? I mean? She's asking for it. You know, just give it to her. I mean, she's asking for a fight. Give her a fight. So that is, I think, your thing tonight. And here's the thing. I think you're going to be disappointed. I think you are going to have the same feeling about Obama that Storm and I had about Biden. 
I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I think you're going to see McCain just go after him with one punch after another. No, because I saw McCain do that in the last debate, and it just got so tiring. And I think you're going to see Obama sit there and smile and take it and not fight back. And I think you will be frustrated with Obama the way that we were frustrated with Joe Biden. Okay. Because I think you're going to want a fight that's not going to happen. I think it's going to be a one-sided boxing match. He's been getting poked at so much this past week. Like He's put up with a lot of crap. He might just... Be at his breaking point where he can't keep his calm, cool composure anymore. I don't know, but, but I see, and I don't think that's true because I think Obama is cool, and, and that's the word that is so. I mean, that's the most overused word with him, but it's accurate. I think Obama retains his composure. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get rattled. He doesn't get thrown. And I think he, maybe this will be good for him if McCain's like spazzing out and going crazy, and getting all red faced and yelling. Now you, and this is a, again, this is an analogy that I use a lot, and an analogy that you probably won't won't get right away. But this is the analogy of the rope dope, which is the Ali Foreman fight from 1974 in, in Zaire. Uh, and so real quick, here's a real quick sort of synopsis of this so you can understand the analogy I'm going to use. So in 1974, Muhammad Ali was going to be fighting uh, uh, George Foreman. And George Foreman at that point was, I mean, he was, just, he was just a monster. I mean, he was just, he was unreal. They thought he was just unbeatable. I mean, George Foreman, they talked about, Norman Mailer talked about George Foreman hitting the heavy bag. You know, when he worked out, and those heavy bags, I mean, that's a, it's very dense. It's a dense bag. I don't even know what it's in. I don't even know what's in a heavy bag. Is it sand or something? Sand. So they talked about George Foreman hitting this heavy bag and just leaving a dent in it. I mean, he just hit like a mother. I mean, just, was, and he was huge. I mean, he was mad. And you think George Foreman now, he's like goofy and, you know, he's, you know, yeah, he's kind of, you know, he's funny and he's very, you know, affable. But then it was like George Foreman was a killing machine. I mean, he was lethal. And Muhammad Ali, great footwork, very skilled, agile, not a big man. Muhammad Ali, especially compared to George Foreman, Muhammad Ali, a small man and couldn't hit very hard. And so everybody thought, they're like, this is it. They're like, Foreman is going to kill this guy. And they actually thought, there were people saying that, look, Ali is going to lose, certainly. And not only is he going to lose... He's going to be maimed, like he's going to be permanently injured or harmed in some way. He's going to go into the ring. His pride won't let him quit. He won't throw in the towel, and Foreman will kill him because Foreman was just a wall. I mean, he was huge. So Ali did this, and now obvious, but at the time, completely unexpected thing because Ali kept saying, like, I'm going to dance. I'm going to move. He won't be able to hit me. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be so fast he won't be able to lay a glove on me. Did exactly the opposite. I get goosebumps just thinking about it. And you know what I'm talking about. And even I mean, you're not much of a sports guy, but you know, Ali did the greatest thing. And it's been it, you, you, it's this movie called When We Were Kings shows it. And I get chills just thinking about it. Ali goes into the ring, and he just lays there. He just lays there against the ropes, and just lets Foreman just wail on him. And Ali just sits there with his hands up against the ropes, and Foreman is just like. And again, he's just a, just a monster. Foreman is just like, bam! Just And Ali at one point, they caught Ali, uh, um, I think it was um, uh, William Plimpton. Is that the guy? Not the cartoonist, but the, the pundit. Anyway, he talked about how at one point Ali is leaning in and he's whispering to Foreman. He's leaning, he's going, he's going, George, I thought you could hit. George, what are you doing? This is just like popcorn. What you, I, You're not hitting me at all. And Foreman just went crazy. Uh, and Ali was like uh, throwing, you know, um, throwing these really weak punches at him, uh, and these insulting punches. And Foreman just went nuts and just, 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 just pounding on Ali like nobody's business, right? So round after round after round of this happens. Ali's just against the ropes, just taking it. And then by the end of what it is, like the, the end of I think the tenth round, by the end of round number ten, Foreman, who was just this punching machine. 
is just exhausted. I mean, he can't, he's just punched himself out. And Ali just took it. And Ali is, in foreman is just, he's sad. He's just lost his energy. He's exhausted. And as soon as you watch this, I get such goosebumps. Ali is against the ropes, and Foreman has just punched himself out. He has no more energy, and he starts to get a little wobbly on his feet. And at that moment, Ali just comes off the ropes and just starts giving him, like, punches right to the face. And within moments, it's just over. He's knocked. Foreman is out. Um, so, And it's just one of the greatest moments I have ever seen, not only in sports, but in anything. It is just it, 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 a staggering moment to watch. Um, especially when you consider that Foreman, by all rights, should have killed him, should have just decimated him. And Ali let, just, sat, just sat there and just took it for ten rounds until he was exhausted, and then he comes off the ropes, and the, the, the crowd, everybody, is on their feet when they see it happening. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm That's overcome with goosebumps right now. I see that happening, because as we were talking about earlier, because he just works, like, McCain just works himself up in such a frenzy. Yeah. He just seems completely out of control. And so I think that's what's going to happen tonight, more of this. I think that McCain feels it slipping away, knows this is his last shot, and he's got all, you know, the stuff like William Ayers, that stuff where there's, you know, some smoke, probably not a lot of fire. Uh, you know, this, this, this stupid, this Jeremiah Wright thing they keep trying to bring up. Um, so I think McCain is just going to go there and just do punch after punch after punch after punch tonight. And I think Obama will probably just take it. I think Obama will just lay into the ropes, and he will just remain cool and calm and collected and composed and proper and dignified. And I think Obama will just let McCain punch himself silly. And I think McCain will flail and end up being exhausted. And more importantly, I think the crowd will end up being exhausted. And I think it will boomerang on McCain. McCain is going to look angry, out of touch. He's going to look desperate. And you know this as a woman. Desperation doesn't work. Mm -mm. Confidence works. You look desperate, you are made of fail. And then probably uh, Obama will just uh, do a few very, very carefully chosen and aimed jabs. Uh, like toward the end to wrap yeah, it up? Right like that. Yeah, that, exactly. He will wait until the very end when McCain has punched himself out, and Obama will land a few well-chosen, very sharp, cutting jabs. And I think that'll be it. And that'll be over. It may not be a knockout for Obama, but I think McCain will defeat him, him, himself if he just wears the crowd out with that stuff tonight. Mm. That being said, I could be wrong. It could be a full-on brawl, oh, but I don't I'm think so it's going to be. I'm so nervous and excited. And let's be clear. I'm hoping for a brawl. I'm hoping for near-physical violence tonight. You always want chaos. That's the thing, man. I mean, I really want it to be just a knockdown, drag-out, screaming, hair-pulling, name-calling, mud-slinging fight. I don't think we're going to get it, but I'm hoping for that. So, by the way, just a final observation here. Even if you are not a sports fan... Even if you're not a boxing fan, because I know people who are into sports who don't like boxing because it is, you know, it's too brutal or too whatever. It, it, you must, must, must see this documentary called When We Were Kings uh, about the Ali Foreman fight. It is, it has almost nothing really to do with sports. It's simply a study of the two men and of Ali's state of mind. And it's, it is, it is worth it for just this fight footage at the end when Ali comes off the ropes and just, it just starts wailing and forming. It is just so unbelievable to watch. Uh, and they do this really great thing of never, at any point in this documentary, they never show Ali or Foreman as they are today. You never see or hear anything from Muhammad Ali or George Foreman. It is all just archival footage. So you see them and remember them the way they were then, at peak physical and athletic Form and Ali is doing all of that great trash talking and he's just he's rhyming and he's just doing all that great Muhammad. It's just it's I'll shut up about it, but you got to see it. It's it's one of the best documentaries ever made ever. When we were kings, you got to see that. 
Top Wall Street executives and Republican Party donors pay $25,000 a plate to listen to Sarah Palin talk at the Grand Hyatt of Midtown Manhattan. Some of the uh, Republicans leaving the dinner are a bit concerned right now. We're real nervous, but we're going to win because we're going to work that much harder because we're nervous. I don't know what that means, but here's another one. I think we are a little nervous. What? What? I don't understand. I guess they're nervous. I think we are a little nervous. (laughs) About what? We're real nervous, but we're going to win because we're going to work that much harder because we're nervous. Wait, who are these people? These are people who paid $25,000 to eat with Sarah Palin. The- $25,000? <laughs> $25,000? <laughs> Sorry? Sorry? And they're a little concerned. They're they, a little concerned. They better than expected, 8 to $10 million. Eating dinner with Sarah Palin. Well, I mean, look, if you're rich and, you know, I mean, and you're, she, you're into that sort of thing, why not? I mean, a month ago, she was eating by herself looking at moose outside her kitchen window. Uh, yeah, if you have, uh, you know, if you have that kind of money to throw around. Oh, look, I mean, look, let me put it this way. Yeah. Is there? Let's assume for the moment you had twenty-five thousand dollars. Let's assume twenty-five thousand. Let's assume, for the sake of of this discussion, mm-hmm. that twenty-five thousand dollars to you was like five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, it's a chunk of money, but it's not going to break you. Is there anybody you would pay that much to have dinner with? Right now, anybody you pay five hundred? A living, sort of gettable person. Bob Dylan. See, and I, I thought you would say Bob mm-hmm. Dylan. I can totally say it. Tim. Richard Quest. Really? Is that true? I, I, you may not have to pay anything soon, Tim. I know. All right. So I mean, yeah, I can I can sort of see that. And just one more oh, thing on this on this Sarah Palin uh, business because it ties in what we were just saying about tonight and about the Ali Foreman thing. And then we'll talk to Jim Roop. Then we'll have more headlines. Uh, still to come, uh, Ben Bailey from Cash Cab. Oh, we just received word that Dick Cheney has just smiled. That's not true. You're lying. It says here he smiled as he was released from George Washington University Hospital. See, Tim, this is the unreliable media once again. He doesn't smile. He lacks those muscles. They were removed. Um, the other thing is, you know, if you see this When We Were Kings documentary, uh, and and again, Norman Mailer talks about this, and, um, where Ali, at one point, when he's in the ring with Foreman, starts doing this thing of, like, throwing these, these right-hand leads, um, is I think what they call it, which is, I guess, is a very, it's a very, um, basic and very, um, amateur type of punch to throw. And when you throw a punch like that, it's insulting because it implies that the guy you're fighting would be slow enough to be hit by it. So Ali is throwing all these kind of embarrassingly amateur punches. And Mailer said that the result was exactly what Ali wanted, which is that Foreman went crazy. Because Foreman was so angry and insulted by these punches that Foreman went nuts and then punched himself out. Don't you get the same feeling, though, with some of these Palin and McCain supporters that that is what is burning them out is their anger. They cannot believe they're losing. That's the thing. I mean, the Palin-McCain people, their supporters, I think, are just furious that Obama is just is just cleaning their clocks. That's got it. it. That, I think, is why they've gone so nuts recently and shouting all of these horrible things and this vile crap at the campaign rallies. I think they've just well, gone. But that's a good, a good part of their base, anyway. Yeah, and I think, but I think they've become louder and even more aggressive mm-hmm. over the past few weeks as they get frustrated, angry, confused, all of the above at at like the hosing they are about to receive. Well, it's because most of the Carl Rose stuff always worked. Yep. Uh, well, it, 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 without for the economy, you know, it would. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Hello. I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were there. You've been on hold for a minute. I uh, I apologize. I got the. Uh, I got all caught up in this Sarah Palin twenty five thousand dollar dinner discussion. Jeez. Yeah. Uh. So okay. Where where are you at right now? 
driving back from the fire. And so I saw some uh, some video of this last night. I was watching CNN, and I mean, you hear a lot of things used at maybe too often. They lose they lose their sort of you know their, their sort of punch. Um, phrases like inferno, but I mean. That is unbelievable. That is just an insane lake of fire you guys have got going down there. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's as it's it's as awesome as it sounds. I mean, to watch it, to see it, to see the to see the fire behavior, to watch the firefighters start to get a handle on it, and then the fire just almost with personality changes its mind and, and changes direction and, and can do some amazing things. It's weirder than a tornado. You know how a tornado seems to have a mind of its own? Right. Fire is just like that. It'll destroy one house and skip another one and hit another one. It's really, it's really odd. Well, you know, it's like a, I forget what it is, but there's that sequence in Backdraft, I think it is, where Robert De Niro, whoever is talking, he has that little monologue about fire, and he says, you know, it, it thinks, oh, yeah. it moves, it hates. A living, breathing animal. And, uh, and it's, yeah. you know, and it is, it is one of those moments where you realize in some ways just how puny and tiny we are before the awesome fury that is nature. Um, I'll tell you, it, it, it really underscores our weakness when it comes to kind of going up against Mother Nature. Absolutely. It really honestly does. And so, is there, I mean, here's a dumb question. Is there anything they can do to stop this, or is it all just containment? Well, it's, not, it's nowhere near contained yet. Uh, one fire, the one that started on Monday in the San Fernando Valley, that's 70, 80% contained. The Cesson fire, which is the fire that started in Porter Ranch, it's always windy in Porter Ranch, man. It's always windy. But it started there on Monday, about 1030. That thing, they did do a good job of keeping it from running in the mountains, running down to the ocean. But um, it's it's only about 20% contained. And the only reason why they have any work on it at all is because the wind has stopped. The wind has died right. down, which has to get the helicopters in there and the fixed wing in there to, to get in there and drop water and retarding the head of the flames. Otherwise, man, they'd still be chasing that junior down the hill. Is there? Here's a dumb question. How far away from that fire do you have to be before you feel the heat? In other words, you get out of the vehicle, you're walking toward I don't even know how you how you get to where the fire is, but, I mean, how, how far away can that heat be felt? Um, 75 yards, maybe. See, that's... Three, I mean, quarters, of, three quarters of a football field, you can definitely feel the difference. Ugh. The, the air just kind of... The air doesn't stop. It fills up. It's it's like you walk in, you know. If there's there's one thing to have hot air. There's another thing to have hot air filled with smoke and soot. Right. Because it feels like the air just stops, um, and it's just it's 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 more like a a thing into which you're walking rather than air you're walking through. It's and so the, these fire these firefighters who you know the, the word hero really does get overused a lot in this culture, but I mean that that really is the living embodiment of that word. I mean that's a guy who's walking up to a wall of fire. Uh, you know, so it protects, you know, so he can try to protect property that he doesn't own and has no vested interest in. Um, so here's a dumb question. So as they get closer to this, I mean, do those suits protect them from, from heat? Or is it, I wouldn't even think you could get, get close enough to do anything. No, they're still hot. And, and you can get, you can get like a, a first degree burn, like a sunburn underneath that suit. And that's how hot it gets. But it does, it, it, it does protect them quite a bit. I mean, I can get pretty close without having to turn around and go. But these guys get right up to it, like you were saying, right up to it. And only because they understand the science of fire right. can they do what they do. I mean, you, I see morons out there with garden hoses thinking they're going to stop the fire coming right. up the hill from the backyard. They have no idea about, about the behavior of fire. 
and what it can do and, and what the firemen do. And so when you see a fireman act a certain way, you think, what a moron. But then, but he kind of he, he understands what's next. Right. He understands right. what's going to happen with the, the topography and the weather and every other piece of condition that's out there. He can figure that out with some idiot with a garden hose. You know, he's done. Mm. He's a crispy critter if he if he keeps doing that. All right. Well, uh, well, I hope everything gets uh, contained under control. Whatever you know, whatever timeline seems. I mean, it's yeah. Me too. I have plans for the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously going to take a while, but I mean, this is more more stuff uh, that the certainly people don't need, and that the economy uh, certainly doesn't need down there anyway. So, all right, well, yeah, that's another thing, man. I mean, that that that, that I mean, that really, I, I just feel so bad for these people. The economy is bad enough now; they lose everything. It's yeah. just, it's. I hope they're insured. All right, well, uh, I hope I hope everything resolves itself as quickly as could be expected. If uh, are you on tomorrow? Oh yeah. All right, we will then. Uh, we'll talk to you then. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. Thank you, Bob. All right, go. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Let's do one more, and then we'll uh, break and kind of get ahead of the curve here because we have Mr. Skin. Uh, then at 145, Ben Bailey from Cash Cab. Here's Tim Riley. Chief Executive Magazine polled over 750 CEOs. 74% say they, quote, fear an Obama presidency would be disastrous for the country. Because things are going, so, things are going so swimmingly now. Wait, Her- who, where is this? Uh, this is from uh, Chief Executive Magazine. Herman Cain, the former CEO of Godfather's Pizza, Says McCain's uh, plan uh, would create jobs and Obama's would cost jobs. The 80% that favor John McCain is indicative of the fact that CEOs know who and how to create jobs. And every policy, every idea, every campaign crumb that Obama throws out would destroy jobs. What's going on right now? Things are, things are on the upswing, mm-hmm. Tim. Best year we've ever had. You see, the people behind McCain know business, as we have seen. <laughs> and Obama's people know about politics. John McCain's economic advisors are CEOs and business people. Obama's economic advisors are politicians and academics. That says academics. what I call reckless proposals by the Obama campaign. Look, don't get me wrong. Uh, I recognize that everybody at every edge of the political spectrum, every end, every every uh, gradation of the spectrum is filled with just liars and hucksters, and they are all just politicians, and they're all swindlers to some degree. That being said, this this business of saying I don't know, I don't know, I don't want I don't want an academic running things. You know, you know what academics run? Academic run academics run things like nuclear reactors. You know what the common guy does? Uh, the common guy stands downtown and holds up a cardboard sign asking for a buck because he needs a beer. That's what the that's what a well, non-intellectual does. If they're enterprising, they do steal copper. <laughs> From so, I mean, really? Just that, I don't know. I don't want anybody who does that thinking running the country. The book learning. Seriously. All right. Get me Charlie Buckets, Dad. Put him in charge of everything. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database, a man... Uh, who does the Lord's work here and everywhere, uh, every waking moment of his life. Mr. Skin, hello, sir. Hey, Rick, how are you? I am fantastic. And you know what? In trying times like these, we need uh, two things. We need levity and we need boobs, my friend. And so you are <laughs> here to bring boobs, both. Or boobs that levitate. That should be your one. platform. Yeah. You should run for something and it should just be on the, uh, you know, on the boobology platform. Yeah, my platform is Great Racks. Excellent. That's my platform. Um, so speaking of great racks, there was a, there's a show on HBO called True Blood, and it's been causing quite a stir. A stir. Lots of people have become fans of it. Uh, they, uh, the first five episodes were uh, very fun, uh, very cool, and lots of nudity, and it involves vampires. It's in uh, Louisiana in the bayou, 
Cool stuff. But the star of the show is named Anna Paquin, and she plays Suki Stackhouse, a girl who can read minds. And she's never been naked before, nor had she been naked in the first five episodes of the show, even though there have been tons of nudity. And she actually, in episode six, Sunday night, finally in the last scene, uh, showed her breasts, and it uh, was well worth the wait. She looks amazing, and uh, lots of guys are excited about this. She's been the most popular, most searched actress at her site this week. Now, her name's Anna Paquin. I thought she was naked and almost famous. Knew she was not. That was uh, Kate Hudson was naked and almost uh, famous. Anna Paquin was dancing around in like a... A dress. Oh, it was like it was a, a lingerie bit, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, it was a little bit see-through, and you could see her in her underwear, and it was um, sexy, but it was not nude, as we note at MrSkin.com, of course. So right. anyway, that was big news, and uh, it's great that she finally was naked. Um, there's a movie that opens in theaters uh, this weekend called Sex Drive, and there is nudity from these Amish girls who show their breasts uh pretty funny stuff that's uh, wonderful yeah you will churn your butter uh when you see that very exciting stuff uh also there's a movie called ypf on dvd this week tons of nudity uh carly pope diera barrett a girl you might know from uh uh just she's been in a ton of movies gorgeous uh wedding crashers was one of them uh great nudity from them and finally the 15th anniversary edition of chaplin is out. This is the movie that put Robert Downey Jr. on the map as far as he's a great actor. He was amazing in this. But skin fans will note that Chaplin uh, had great nudity from Diane Lane, Moira Kelly, and Mila Jovovich. And uh, uh, you'll be uh, twirling your cane if you check that out. It's called Chaplin, and it's a uh, uh, great nudity, 15th anniversary edition out this week. My friend, now more than ever, we need what you are doing. So uh, <laughs> thank you for being out there doing it. Mr. Skin, we'll talk to you next week, sir. All right. Take care. Uh, there you go. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. That's a recession-proof industry right there, what that guy's doing. Indeed. Boobs will never be boring to anybody. Sarah, you speak for all of us. People uh, can't get enough of my hair. It's true. Back after this, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Ben Bailey from Cash Cab coming up later on. Uh, let's see. What else do we have coming up? Where did the clown watch? I mean, really, after that clown watch, what, what else is there to do? Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues. We should make that comparison. I think you appreciate it. Your show is just like Baywatch Nights, Ben Bailey. Cash Cab After Dark. Is it like an adult uh, cash cab? I guess that wouldn't be on the Discovery Channel, though. Mr. Skin would have told you if that was true. Hmm. Uh, well, in just a short while here, we're going to be talking to Ben Bailey, host of Cash Cab. And apparently of Cash Cab After Dark, whatever that might be, uh, on the Discovery Channel. So you, so just in this last break, we were talking about him. So I've got this printout here that says he got his start as a stand-up comic when he was mistaken for a comedian in the green room of the comedy store in L.A. where he was hired to answer the phones. But then you said you read that he got his start when he did what? It says on his Wikipedia page he was offered a job as a bouncer for a comedy club after... Oh, so maybe it was. Maybe he was a bouncer and then was the thing. So it says he was offered a job as a bouncer for a comedy club after bumming a cigarette from a man in a parking lot. Well, that's interesting. Well, okay, well, so we'll ask him which of either of those is, is true. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Oh, Cheryl the Hawaiian is the one who gave us the right said Fred... Uh, Quote news. Thank, Thank you, you so much for that. It's uh, 503 733 
2970. Still to come today. Uh, well, we have uh, Ben Bailey coming up. Uh, we will be doing the final presidential debate drinking game rules later on. That's going to be like in the uh, the first part of the two o'clock hour. Uh, we're going to figure out what words, phrases, happenings, things, gestures, etc. We will use during tonight's final presidential debate as cues for you, the listening audience, to get blind drunk. So last time it was energy, Wall Street slash Main Street. Mm-hmm. What else do we have? Can't remember. Did we do economy? But that uh, was... I don't think so. Tim, Tim, do you remember the other drinking game? No, no, I don't. It seems time? so long ago. It does. Two weeks ago. I How do... long ago was that? Two weeks? Two weeks. That was longer ago than that. No, it was two weeks. Really? Uh, it, I do remember there was stuff that we should have used that we didn't. You know what we mm-hmm. didn't use? We should have used Maverick. And Fundamental. Fundamental. Yeah, we should have done that one. Man, but, but like Sarah Palin, she was Maverick like 35 times in about the first 10 minutes. I don't think that'll happen tonight, though. That's the thing. Because John... Friends. Friends. John McCain used that every other sentence. All right, don't call about this yet. I'm going to wait and do this uh, next hour. But you're right about that. He does do that thing of my friends. Right. Not to be confused with the television program, Friends. And then he also has that one move that somebody pointed out where he says a sentence and then repeats the part of the sentence, either the final part of it again, repeats the final part of it again. So he's kind of like Johnny Two Times or whatever that guy is in Goodfellas. That one. Every, uh, all right. It's uh, are we Okay, so we're waiting on that. Are we calling him or he's calling us? All right, and then we'll wait on him. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. We'll do more headlines in a moment. Then Ben Bailey from Cash Cab. Hello, sir. Hello, Rick, Tim, and Sarah. Hello. Is this Andy, the homeschool kid? Yes. Hello. Hi, Andy. Um, I just wanted to real quick get your opinion on if McCain brings up the Bill, Bill Ayers thing, which, you know, he's almost certain to do. Right. How does Obama, you know, counter that without looking at the, quote, Unquote angry black man. Uh, well, th- here's uh, it all depends on who uh, how it gets brought up. Somebody was noting, I forget who this was. Somebody was noting that if um, that if Obama starts saying, you know, uh, McCain equals George Bush. In other words, if he starts saying, well, you know, we can't have four more years of the same, which is what you're going to get because John McCain is going to continue the failed policies. Okay, that's really good. Of George Bush. You're using the proper emphasis. Yeah. Thank Hello, you. Mr. Obama. Um, so, but but if but if Obama says that, then McCain's move is to say, "Well, let's." I can't do McCain's voice. But let's talk about people we know and people we've spent time with. Bill Ayers, for example. Uh, so I, I don't know. But if McCain leads, in other words, if McCain is the first one to bring it up, to bring up the William Ayers thing, then Obama does exactly the, rever- the reverse. The o- Obama says, "You know, well, let's not talk about somebody that I knew 20 years ago. Let's talk about somebody, John, you have voted with 95 percent of the time." As recently as last month. I wish there was a camera, too, because you are doing the yeah. proper hand motions. But that's how, he, that's how he does it. If McCain brings up the Ayers thing, Obama goes right back and he says, let's talk about people we know and, uh, you know, and the people that we have spent time with, like W. That's exactly what he does. Yeah, I had to rent myself out. You really should. I mean, as a consultant. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Not a, you know. And not as a prostitute. Not in the Elton John way. Uh, it's 503 970. All right, I've worked for the last hour on not shouting out the name of the television show because I was all amped up about it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, host of one of the greatest programs ever to air anywhere, ever, at any time in human history, the host of Cash Cab and Cash Cab After Dark, uh, the one and only Ben Bailey. Hello, sir. Hey, how you doing? That's a big intro. Uh, You know what? I I got to say, uh, this sort of our uh, PA, Richie, uh, with whom you spoke a few minutes ago, uh, yesterday, I think it was, 
he kind of cornered me in the hallway, and I don't even know how this came together. He's, well, you know, Richie's really worth his weight in gold. He goes, hey, uh, you want to talk to uh, Ben Bailey from Cash Cab? And, like, he hadn't even finished, like, the Cash Cab. Like, he was just into the second C. And I was, yes, yes, I do. And then, we, and then it got confirmed. He, he came in here today. And he confirmed it, and I announced it on the air, and Sarah Dillon, who was my producer, and Tim Riley, my news director, both kind of did this sort of excited inhalation, sort of like a, ah, really? Because we're all just such nerds for the show, so it's a real pleasure oh, to talk awesome. to you, sir. If uh, I, could, I can't believe I've made all of you gasp already today. Well, you know, I mean, you, know, you can check that off your things to do before you die. Make Rick Emerson and show gasp. Um, <laughs> I'm happy to do it. It just worked out well, and I uh, ended up having some free time this afternoon to call in. So thanks for having me. Not at all. And so I'm going to ask you a question, please. And, I, you know, I'm going to betray my ignorance right here. We're all big fans of Cash Cab. I, I do have to tell you, Cash Cab After Dark is a thing that I get. Maybe I haven't I haven't seen it, or maybe it's is it, is it the same concept, different kind of show. What is Cash Cab After Dark? Uh, basically, the only difference is that it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, then. It's pretty much exactly the same show, uh, but the thing that you get is you get a little different uh, kind of people in the cab. You different know, clientele. Different. They're they're out uh, with a little more time to spare, and they're already in you know in a fun mood instead of you know the rush atmosphere of Manhattan in the afternoon on a weekday. Is this code for they've been boozing? Yeah, they're they're wasted. All of them. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, um, uh, so we should say before we go any further here, Cash Cab and Cash Cab After Dark both air on the Discovery Channel. Uh, your website is therealbenbailey.com? Indeed it is. All right. The re is there a fake? Is there like a poser Ben Bailey? or? Well, there's, a, there's another Ben Bailey who owns benbailey.com and doesn't have a website up. Uh, and I talked to him, and he, you know, he wants me to buy it from him. You know, if you... He won't throw out a number, so I just said, you know what, I'll, I'll just be the real Ben Bailey, and you can be the other guy. If you want me to get him handled, I, uh, I know some people who can probably go speak to him. You know what I mean? Well, Make him... Make you know him see the light. I do. I can make problems disappear, <laughs> Ben Bailey. So, All right, I'll send you his address. Is it true that you got so you you stand up comedy? Is, now we've heard that you uh, got mistaken for a comic while you were answering phones, but we also heard that you you were spotted while you were bumming a, a smoke from some guy in a parking lot. Is that are either of those true? Those are both true, actually. Uh, the, the smokes in the parking lot are how I got the job answering the phones. Uh, and then after a, a shift of answering the phones, this is all at the Comedy Store on Sunset in L.A., uh, which is a fun, a great place. It's like a, it's like a haunted house in there. <laughs> There's like three different rooms, and it's really dark. And it's just it's a, a labyrinth. Place. Yeah, it is. Uh, so I'm answering the phones in there. I finish the shift, and I'm just kind of hanging around. The, the, the place where I would sit and answer phones was in the green room, so I was basically backstage with comedians. Right. Uh, and just telling this long, crazy story of how I ended up in California and uh, and there at the comedy store. And I ended up with an audience, kind of, of a, a few comedians and a couple different guys that were hanging around. And they they thought by the way I was telling the story, I guess, that uh, I was a comedian and invited me to perform on uh, a show that Friday. <laughs> and I said no because I was scared to death. Right. Uh, but, but then... The next day, uh, I kind of went, well, you know, what do I really have to lose? Why not give it a try? Did you ever have that weird uh, that weird jazz where Mitzi Shore wanted you to come and live in her mansion with her? She never wanted me to live in her mansion, but she fired me. I worked there for about 
I guess I think it was about eight months, and she fired me at least five times. Excellent. You, I, there's a great book. <laughs> Paulie saved me. Paulie saved me a couple times. Paulie Shore, because uh, Mitchie Shore, uh, I mean, the woman who runs a comedy store. And there's a, a great book called Brother Sam by Bill Kinison, who is Sam Kinison's brother, and just tells right. these amazing stories about. Mitzi Shore being obviously very brilliant, very driven, but very uh, mercurial in some ways, a little unpredictable, and that... Well well said, sir. Yeah, and that, you know, sometimes she would just have all... You, like, you go to her mansion or her house, whatever, and just be like 19 different stand-up comics all kind of living at her place, uh, you yeah. know, at, at some end of the unemployment scale. Um, <laughs> so, well, let's... I think those days were, were, were over a fairly long time ago, but that may have been happening when I was there. This was like 92 when I was there, 93. So, yeah, a golden but bygone uh, era. So the, yeah. the the cash cab thing, Sarah Dillon, my producer, went to uh, New York not too long ago, and we were talking about, you know, what are you going to do, what are you going to see, where are you going to eat, and, you know, she's been there a few times. And no lie, one of the only things in her agenda was she's like, every time my sister and I take a cab, we're going to make sure that we take one of those like van no, style cabs van ones, yeah. because they're because she's hoping it's you. Um, so do you get people who who are they're sort of like, where are you going to be? Come on, let me let me know. I mean, do you really just drive randomly in that thing? I just drive around. You know, people get in. I go where they tell me they're going. And do uh, you, uh, and people come from all over the place looking for me. So how many people are in the car with you? Is it just you and the camera guy? Uh, the camera guy is in a van behind us, and uh, he only he just gets out and gets shots from the outside when people are getting in and out. So is and is it, the rest of it is like a stationary cameras, like in the dashboard or something? Yeah, there's there's lipstick. There's eight lipstick high definition cameras in the in the cab. That Which actually, great, right? That's just what we need—a a, high-definition close-up of the side of my face. That—that <laughs> that actually explains uh, our news director's question, which is: if we talk about this morning, Tim goes, "Well, I want to know how it is that he hasn't been mugged yet." But I guess the additional camera guy would maybe help out with that. That helps. Uh, we have had—I'm uh, uh, actually kind of a short-tempered man myself. I've gotten out of the cab and yelled at people several times. If if someone was ever going to mug me, I think I would just say to them, "How did you pick me?" <laughs> I definitely would not be your prime mugging target. But now, when you, had people, when you say people, you've yelled at people, for for what? Uh, you know, rage, traffic stuff. <laughs> well, because you're honking on his ho laying on his horn while I'm trying to ask a question, I end up having to repeat it like ten times. Then he's you know giving me the finger and bowing and is walking up to to yell at me in the cab and. Uh, before he can, I'm, I'm out the door on the street. <laughs> because you got like the double the double stress. Because on the one hand, you're trying to actually negotiate New York City traffic in a cab, and then you're trying to sort of sort of quiz these people and give these questions, which actually leads to another question that I this is something I've always wondered. Um, are you are you being kind of fed the questions like an earpiece, or do you have them memorized? Are you reading them? I mean, how does it all work while you're driving and asking questions? Uh, two of those are the case. They they read them to me, but by the time they do, I've already memorized them. Mm -hmm. Because uh, just repeating them, they're, they're kind of long questions. It's basically a statement and then a question. Right. Uh, to repeat them without having memorized them or studied them ahead of time it was nearly impossible. So we just allotted an extra 10 or 15 minutes, and I memorized the list, and then uh, and then we go. Another a little discussion we were having this morning is about the interior of the cash cab and whether – and are, are those all practical lights? That's not like a CGI thing. Like you literally hit a button and it goes ba 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 and the lights start going off, right? Yep. Yeah, the lights are real. The lights are built right into the ceiling of the cab. Uh, I hit a button, the music plays, the lights go on, the people scream. 
And how, and how many people who get into the cash cab when that goes off? I mean, do, they, do at this point the majority of the people know kind of the deal? They know who you are? Uh, or do you catch a lot of people off guard who look around wondering if it's like an alien invasion or something? Well, I, you know, I kind of like I hunch down and I, I sort of hide myself and just mumble in these weird accents to throw <laughs> people off. Uh-huh. Because it, they were recognizing me every time before they got in. They'd right. see the cab, they'd see me. The surprise would be out on the street instead of on camera in the cab. So right. I started kind of hiding. Uh, plus, you know, people are in a rush and they're, you know, they're trying to get around in New York, so they're not paying that much attention. Is it? Uh, is it just my? And we're talking to uh, Ben Bailey, who is the I'm sorry, the real Ben Bailey, who is the host the of real Ben Bailey, yeah, Cash cool. Cab and Cash Cab After Dark on the Discovery Channel. Is it? Is it just my perception, or, or, or is the final? Is the bonus question always easier than the lead-up questions? Uh, it's just your perception. All right. That... There's plenty of times when that video bonus question is so hard that we're we're just kind of looking at each other like, oh god, I hope they don't go for it. Right. There's no way they're going to get this. That was my other thing. Is like it just it must just be nerve wracking for you because I know that I will sit there sometimes and so that I'm watching Cash Cab and they will have some question. And the one that I think is really just easy or obvious or whatever, and you're just screaming at the television. You know, going, yeah. the answer is oh, five. God. It's five. Come on. And meanwhile, they're like, I don't know. I want to call my sister in Saskatoon. Because uh, that is it nerve-wracking for you to see people uh, you know, just agonizing over, over, you know, over these questions? No, it's, it's really enjoyable for me to watch that happen. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. It is a little nerve-wracking when they're, uh, you know, when they don't know something that seems obvious. Right. I think that's also a part of what people like about it. They're sitting at home and they get to be like, "What are you doing, you idiot?" <laughs> that's I know <laughs> that I heard. Agra Falls, you know, or whatever it is. They like to yell at the TV. That's when, that's when we know that you guys are hooked, right? Uh, so yeah, and, and, and so Cash Cab is, you know, you've got that. You know, you do, you've been on television, you've done the movies. I so you're somebody told me that you're what is it? You're an Ironman athlete or a triathlete, a triathlete, whatever that's called. Triathlete, yeah. I, did, I haven't done an Ironman yet. I've done a half Ironman. Is it like a bronze man competition? What is a half Ironman competition? A half Ironman is a short race. It's only 70 miles. <laughs> You're still way more of a man than I am, sir. So. It was, I did my first one. It was really tough. I did it last weekend out in Montauk. It was tough. Uh... It took everything I had just to get across the finish line, well, but I did. You know, really, I have to say that just in summation, you're way cooler than I am in every single regard and respect, sir. You you might in fact be the best person who's who's ever lived. I mean, because you, you, you're in the cash cab and you're you know you did and you were at the comedy store and you're a triathlete and you're in the half Ironman competition. So, um, the the real Ben. Thank you. I don't. I don't quite know how to respond to that. The real Ben Bailey dot com is the website, and um, and, and I kind of you know like a lot of people, I tune on Discovery, and then I see Cash Cab when it's on. Is it new new season now or new season coming soon? Where's the Where's the show right now in terms of production? Well, it's kind of interesting that you asked me that. There's uh, there are some new episodes out there that we've taped. Uh, they seem to be holding on to them because we're in a little bit of a uh, contract dispute right ah, now. Ah, I see. Discovery Channel and I. So well, uh, back to my previous statement. If you need anybody to be given a strong speaking to, you just uh, you let Rick Emerson know. We'll uh, we'll have oh, yeah. them. Uh, we'll have a guy go talk to a guy. You'd think that uh, you know we win the Emmy over the the Price Is Right and Jeopardy for best game show. You'd uh -huh. think they would they would just kind of be okay to get a raise, but. But no. Well, let me just, here's the thing. Here's what works for me. Uh, you just lean in and then wrap your knuckles on the table and go, don't you know who I am? And just keep saying that over and over again. And then occasionally, uh, occasionally just roll up your sleeves 
and kind of clench your hands over and over and just kind of look at them and go. Breathe real deep. That's it, man. There you go. And if that doesn't work, then uh, I'm at the end of my rope. I have no further suggestions, sir. So That was a great image. That's <laughs> what I do. I'm picturing, like, I think it's Mel from uh, from Alice. Vic Tabak for the win. That's what I'm picturing. Excellent. Good good reference, my friend. Well, I, I hope that that gets resolved. You are worth, uh, what? let me put it this way, you're worth whatever you're asking for. I'm telling you that from me to you, and I'm not just... Uh, well, well, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Well, best of continued success at Cash Cab and in everything else you're doing. The website is therealbenbailey.com, uh, and it was, a, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for making time for us, sir. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Have all a great right. weekend. Thank right. you. There you go. Uh, Richie, can you talk to Ben? Make sure that that... Uh, awesome. All right, there you go. I'm glad he said that at the end, because I could kind of sort of sense this undercurrent of tension mm-hmm. about the show, and I'm like, what's that about? Uh, but now we know what that was about. They're only giving me a half a tank of gas. I was... You will note, by the way, that I uh, I observed the rules of decorum and didn't go. Come on, tell me, tell me more. But uh, well, how cool is that? We talked to the cash cab guy. Yeah, that show is so awesome. It is. I do love that show, and he, you know, he, obviously he's a smart guy, and again, a triathlete and so forth. Don't you really get the sense just listening to that though? You can really hear when he's talking about that short temper. He described himself. He mm-hmm. says, "Rick, I I do sometimes have a short fuse." You can very much sense that in that call. Well, you need that to survive in New York, I think. Oh God, as a New York City cabbie, especially. Well, first of all, you worked in comedy. At the comedy store under Mitzi Shore, who is brilliant but a little bit of a nutcase, uh, and then you know you, you know you're trying to make it as uh, and and of course he would have to be in SAG for this, right? Oh, he could be an after. Okay, but he has but he has to be a union in, in some way. So you know that's a little bit you know that's a little bit of a Shark Tank, and then he's uh, you know apparently having this sort of this payment dispute compensation dispute with the network, and then he's you know of course having to be a New York City cab driver, and you know so. All right. Well, you know, but see now, but we've answered a few of the questions I've always had about that show, and we know that Cash Cab After Dark is really just Cash Cab After Dark. And that really is a one-man show. I mean, he's just driving around by himself. That's mm-hmm. And see, I thought that they would tell him where to go, but he says he really does just drive around. I meant to ask him actually. I wonder if he has a profession as a cabbie. Like, I wonder if he is actually. He's a licensed New York uh, City cab driver. Actually, I do know that he is a licensed taxi driver. Um, I should have. Now, you know what? I two things I, I should have asked him. I should have asked him. What he looks for in terms of, you know, who who he's going to pick up, and I don't mean that in any unpleasant way. But I mean, if you see like a guy like with a clown wig, do you say like, nah, he's just too much? You know, do you go for like a typical, you know, just person doesn't look like there's anything weird with no, him? Oh, like but somebody you, off. Let's make a deal. Well, you know, but I mean, you know, but in New York, you know, let's be honest, New York, you can see a guy wearing an Elvis jumpsuit with a peg leg, you know, but he doesn't ever have that. He really does, you know, they're just run of the mill folks. I also wanted to ask if. When he picks folks up in the cash cab, if they still have to pay him, I don't think I've ever seen that. If they actually have to pay for the cab ride, even if they, you know, like if they win or something. Well, maybe that's what makes them so happy. Maybe. All right. Uh, should we break here? All right. Yeah, that's close. Enough. All right, break. We'll come back on the other side. I'll get more of your phone calls. And here's what we're gonna do. Uh, we will find out the rules, phrases, uh, statements, gestures, all of that for tonight's drinking game for the final presidential debate, which is tonight, 6 p.m. Uh, myself, Tim Riley, and the Oregonians, Peter Carlin here, providing running commentary during the final presidential debate tonight at 6 o'clock. We'll uh, lay out the rules for the drinking game when we return. Stay there. the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. And after all of that with the Viso, the vending machine in the kitchen is not taking bills. How'd you get that one? Well, I, it's one of the warm ones, and I have to go like, uh, I have to go put ice in it. 
Life is hard. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming by. 503-733-2970. Uh, let's see. Still to come this hour. So we're going to do the uh, final presidential debate drinking game rules here in just a moment. Uh, let's see. What else? Oh, we got uh, Okay. Without we're fail. Do that now between... Yes. Yes, we are. So we're going to do that without fail before we do the next break. Um, we... Richie, all caps, still no goddamn gum in the vending machine. By the way, Richie's actually falling asleep back there because of, because he quit smoking, and, you know, nicotine is a stimulant. So he's, he's back there, and he's just, you know. Put that toothbrush in his mouth. Totally. You know, he's got it. You got, he's, like, sucking on it. It's kind of gross. You know, it's my fault because I promised to get him toothpicks, and then I failed. I failed to buy, and I bought to fail. So, uh, Richie, I'm sorry. I will get you some toothpicks. You can't walk around with a toothpick. You can kind of do that here. Because it's in the middle of the day, so people might think that you just had lunch or something, and you're nuts about dental hygiene. Uh, you, you just can't be like you can't get a little bar though or something, and just be having a toothbrush stick out of your mouth. And Richie is, you know, and God bless Richie, but he, you know, he doesn't care, so he's probably just wandering around everywhere with that toothbrush. Yeah, uh, Richie sometimes cares a lot. Of, some days he comes in and he's like he really put a lot of time and thought into his appearance, and other times he's just sort of like. Whatever he sponged he has, up like, off. Seven hundred dollar belts, but then he'll like come in the next day in Crocs. Or road crocs with the belt. You totally. Know? <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, ba ba ba, Richie. Yes, yeah, so still no gum in the vending machine. Anyways, I had to cool down my visa. So, this segment, we are going to do the final presidential debate drinking game rules. And then, before the end of this segment, before the next break, we will play. Uh, I got these two Palin Watch submissions. And really, let's just be honest. Can we just call it what it is? Likely, we're not going to have any need for these in about three weeks. Let's just be honest about that. And I. It's not a partisan statement. It just seems to be the fact. Did you see what uh, Tina Fey said? No. She, Tina Fey oh, said she that wants if, to leave the earth. Well, she said, yeah, she said if uh, Sarah Palin wins, she won't play her. She said if Sarah Palin wins, I am never playing her again. Uh, which indicates that maybe if Sarah Palin loses, that Tina Fey might be open to coming back. I think she doesn't want to be locked into it. She doesn't want to get pigeonholed as that one character. Good for her. So, uh, and she doesn't need the money at this point anyway. So, I, so she said that if Sarah Palin wins, she will not continue to do to do the Sarah Palin character after the election. So we'll do the Palin watches, and then uh, more news from Tim Riley coming up and so forth. All right, it is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. So we'll call this kind of a high concept for today, Wednesday. High concept Wednesday, it is 503-733-2970. And uh, we've got a couple other calls that we'll kind of get here in the meantime. 503-733-2970. Today, uh, tonight, we'll be carrying the final presidential debate, 6 p.m. tonight. Running commentary from myself, Oregonian TV critic Peter Carlin, and news director Tim Riley, as well as wraparound coverage from CNN Radio. And I forgot to ask who it was, but I think it's uh, I think it's Dick Giuliano tonight. So uh, we are going to ask you this now for High Concept Wednesday. Tonight, take a drink every time blank. can either be about Obama, McCain, the audience, moderator questions, whatever. Uh, tonight, during the final presidential debate, which will be carried here from 6 to 8, tonight, take a drink every time blank. Is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, in the meantime, let's get the... Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, this is Charles. Hello, hi. Uh, first of all, to fill in the blank, uh, yes. pork barrel. Pork barrel, all right. I and know. then the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, yesterday or the day before, you were talking about the dilemma that you have feeding your dogs 
One of them's adult and the other one's a puppy, and the adult eats the puppy food and gets diarrhea. Well, it wasn't that he ate it. We, it's our it's our own fault. We did give it to him because we didn't realize we'd never had a puppy before, so we thought that there was no difference. And then uh, we found out there was a great amount of difference all over the world. Well, line. I have I have a suggestion for you. Yes. Natural balance makes food that's uh, doesn't differentiate between adult and puppy food. So you could feed both dogs the same food according to the manufacturer. Uh, their food is good for the entire life of the animal. Now, do you? Uh, now, is this just a thing you have, in your own experience, you have learned this, or do you use it, or? No, I don't use it, but it's a premium food. I work in a, a pet store, and so uh, I'm familiar with various Nothing. types of dog food. And we sell. I work out at the Humane Society, and in our, in our pet store at the Humane Society, we sell natural. Natural balance. balance. All right. Well, good for you. You're, uh, you know, you're a good person. I can sense that. So, uh, all right, natural balance. We'll look into it. Thank you, sir. Okay, bye-bye. All right, there that you go. That makes your life a lot easier than having to buy, like, two separate kinds of food. And they're in, and, and again, this is all our own fault. But the food, I mean, dog food looks like dog food, typically. So it's, you know, it's dry. So it's, you know, the little brown pellets in basically identical Tupperware containers. So you got to stop in the morning and go, wait a minute, this one's slightly bigger. All right. This one's, Philo, commit, Philo, no, bad, mustn't, mummy will smack. You know, just, just so uh, that would make things a lot easier. All right. Uh, that was not, by the way, the dog question that I have. I'm gonna when Tim gets back, and I have a dog question for y'all. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we now uh, will begin laying out the rules for tonight's drinking game for the final presidential debate, which will air tonight, 6 p.m. with Peter Carlin, Tim Riley, and myself tonight. Uh, take a drink every time. Blank. Hello there. Is this me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. Okay. Uh, take a take a drink every time one of the candidates repeats himself to emphasize a point. It's like uh, the vice president candidate uh, debate, uh, Joe Biden kept on, he was, I was calling him Joey two times because he kept on repeating himself to uh, to emphasize his points. Do you mean inside a sentence you'll hear say it and then immediately say it again? Exactly. All right, like get the papers, got to get the papers. Yes. All right, excellent. All right, repeat something. Thank you, sir. That's a good one. All right. Uh, you know. Do you have Do you have one that you're thinking of? Um, one. You know, the great thing about the great thing about Goodfellas is, is you, you you can use the movie Goodfellas to reference almost anything. Um, I wish that I had picked Maverick last time because Sarah Palin said that relentlessly. Tonight, I mean, somebody already said the My Friends thing. Yeah, that's, McCain, that's does the that one My I Friends was going to go with. Uh, I mean. I almost don't know. I, I mean, it's not a town hall format like the last one. Because I was going to say every time McCain walks out into the crowd trying to look like a man of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. What about Americans? Americans. That's a good one. Americans. Oh, you'll be trashed. All right, there you go. Uh, and by the way, later on I will play the little ting sound so you know exactly when to drink tonight. Uh, tonight, take a drink every time what? Every time McCain says Tom Foolery, Jim Crackery, or Whippersnapper. Fish over. Mm-hmm. Whippersnapper. Tom Foolery. All right. Hi, uh, Nair Do Wells. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Th- uh, tonight, take a drink every time blank. Uh, it'll be hard to track, but uh, every time McCain toilets or makes into his colostomy bag. You are an evil person. Thanks so much. By the way, the. Uh, the funniest line there was toilets. Toilets as as a verb is hilarious for some reason. That's why that's why I love. That's the one thing I did love about Henry Rollins. I thing earlier. He he pluralized things. And he called Google Googles. Really? The Googles. That's pretty great. Yeah. I you're on the uh, Rick Emerson show tonight. Take a drink every time. Blank. Every time Barack Obama says uh uh 
I don't know. Should we allow that one, Sarah? Is uh, yeah, because he does. No, because he does. You'll get really drawn. Uh, he does the long drawn out. Uh, you're you're right. He does that. He does. Did the, anyone do Wall Street and Main Street yet? Uh, we had that one for the last debate, but we could do it again this time because man, that is. Yeah. Anytime they, someone says Wall Street and Main Street in the same sentence, I have to tell you that is a thing that I never noticed until my wife pointed it out uh, about a week before the Palin debate. And she goes, God damn it, if I hear Wall Street, Main Street, Walmart. But it's like when you buy a new car and then suddenly you see that car everywhere. As soon as she pointed it out, you're right. I, it's every 30 seconds on CNN, some jackass is going, well, you know, well, the problem with uh, Main Street is they don't have the confidence yet that we've instilled into Wall Street. And you're just going to shut up. All right, Wall Street, Main Street. Well done. I don't even, well like, done. specifically know that. Ever. Thank you. Is Thanks. Main Street just supposed to be every man? Yes, it's supposed to be oh, you, Sarah. So annoying. Wall Street. Main Is that where Street. Joe Sixpack lives on Main Street? Yes. Uh, and Joe yeah, people are stupid. And Joe Fortiance lives under the bridge at the end of Main Street. People are stupid. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Tonight, uh, vice, uh, I'm sorry, presidential debate drinking game. Take a drink every time blank. Yes, people are stupid, which is why I say take a drink every time someone mispronounces the word nuclear. Oh, good one for you. Well done. Nuclear. You, I don't even know how to spell nuclear. Well, whatever. All right, Spell thank it you. right and mispronounce it. All right, done and done. All right. Someone had a good one. Squid just wrote, and uh, every time McCain says Washington. I was just going to say that. Yeah. You asked me what mine is. I'd forgotten about it until he said nuclear. Washington. The word is Washington. He says Washington all the time. We're going to go to Washington. And see, I don't think that's a put on. I think when Sarah Palin says nuclear, I think it's... I don't think it's for the average person. I think that's a little way to jab at, at everybody else. I think because we got so angry for eight years about George Bush saying nuclear. Let's do three different things right now. George Bush says nuclear because he doesn't know the difference. George Bush, George W. Bush says nuclear because he cannot speak. He cannot use the English language with even some modicum of, of I mean, he's, he's inefficient. He's, he's incorrect about half the time. Mm. He transposes whole thoughts and sentences and words and, you know, whatever. So he just does it because he didn't know the difference. Sarah Palin does it because she knows it irritates, I don't want to say liberals, but it irritates people who hate George Bush. Mm. I will guarantee you that. Sarah, Do you really think she's smart I th enough to do that? I think she, I don't know that she's smart. I, I'll, let, let's be very clear, but this is like that discussion we had with the guy the other day about Sarah Palin being smart. I don't think Sarah Palin's smart. I think Sarah Palin is cunning, though. Mm. I will give, I think Sarah Palin is crafty. I will absolutely, and I don't mean that in a, in a, in a mean-spirited way. I don't think she's smart, but I do think that she is clever. Uh, so I think she says nuclear because she knows that it drives the left crazy. Mm -hmm. Crazy. And it's a little just, it's a little poking at you. It's like when your brother is sitting in the back of the car with it you. It works. It works. Stop touching me. Stop touching me. Stop touching me. That's what she's doing with that. Um, the Washington thing, McCain's just got lazy mouth. I think he mm -hmm. just... He he just he's got kind of a mushmouth way of talking, and that's why he says Washington. That's oh, right there. So Mike just wrote me, and he has the best one. Every mm. time Obama starts a sentence with "look," look, he always does that. Obama. Do you remember that? He's like, "Look, I'm yeah. not going to sit here and tell you blah blah." Well done. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show tonight during the final presidential debate. Take a drink every time blank. Every time McCain says, "Let me tell you." Let me tell you, and that's McCain saying it. Yep. And from now on, I want to be known as Chuck Dimebag. Not going to happen. Thank you. Okay. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show tonight. Take a drink every time blank. This is me? Yes, it is. It's you. Hello. I say anytime any of them open their mouth. Duly noted, sir. And then I got another thing. What happens if, he, if McCain gets going and foams at the mouth and keels over? What happens next? 
Just because I'm politically ignorant, along with everything else. Now, are you asking, is this a real question? That would be, a te yeah, a technical question. Well, let's keep in mind, we wish uh, John McCain and all elected officials, uh, officials a long uh, life and the best of health. That being said, I'm not entirely sure, no, although... Although I do believe I do believe that the Republican National Committee can then select any uh, qualified candidate of their choosing. In other words, any natural-born citizen over the age of 35. So it's not like Sarah would then automatically. Uh, well, they would move her to the top of the back. ticket because she's got the most name recognition. But I do think they can pick anybody. Uh, okay. I do that think that's good. how that works. All right. Thank I you. Feel more enlightened. All right, there you go. That's no, honestly I... a good point because that's when we were talking earlier about McCain working himself up into a frenzy. And right. That kind of crossed my mind, too, because if he gets himself so worked up like totally. that and his ticker has already know how to a few problems. Here's an interesting uh, here's an interesting thing. Did you know this? There's that. So the election is on November 4th and then the inauguration is, I think, January 20th. So let me ask you this, Sarah. Theoretically speaking, and again, keeping in mind that we wish uh, everybody, everybody everywhere a long life and the best of health. Mm -hmm. What happens, Sarah, if the person who wins the presidential election on November 4th dies between Election Day and Inauguration. Let's say it's John Smith who wins the presidency on November 4th. But before uh, January 24th, he can be sworn in. John Smith dies. Who becomes president? Do you know? No, would it be and the vice president? And it doesn't make you dumb in any way not to know because it's a tricky, it's a weird thing. So but it's not the vice president? Is that your final answer? I'm, yeah, I'm not going to make another guess. That's all. Here's the thing, and I didn't know either until a guy named Jeff Greenfield, who was a commentator on CNN, wrote a novel based on this called The People's Choice. It's a political novel uh, by Jeff Greenfield. He was the guy with the... Um he wasn't the guy with the dry erase board. That was Tim Russell. But he was uh, he was one of the guys that really uh, helped to clear things up during the 2000 election debacle. He wrote a great book about this in, like, 1997. If the president-elect dies before inauguration, Congress can pick anybody in the entire country to be president as long as, again, they are over 35 and a natural-born citizen. They could pick they could pick, they could pick me. They could pick... Congress can pick any person in the United States to be the president. And the vice president would still serve as the, the vice presidential role? Yes. Well, I mean, technically, they could pick the vice president, but they could also pick anybody else. They could pick Tim. I mean, they could pick anybody well, in the country. Yeah, that is true. Uh, so that's so that's a weird thing. If the president-elect dies, Congress can pick anybody they want. Higher on the, uh, the 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 country is full of weird. It's like a, a little glitch in a video game where you realize if you hit back up 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 down B A, it gives you infinite lives. Mm. Our democracy is full of little glitches like that. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show tonight. Take a drink every time blank. Anytime somebody with whom you are watching the debates argues with their television. Oh, uh, in other words, now will they also accept shouting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, John McCain, you dumb bastard, you're wrong about that. So like when my wife uh, just grips the remote and goes, God damn it, that's a lie! Exactly. All right. Uh, so anybody, uh, your debate-watching partner, talks back to the TV. Like a moron. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we'll do three more. Hi, uh, tonight during the presidential debate, uh, take a drink every time blank. I've got an overview that says, anytime anybody says the word crisis. Crisis, good oh, one. Oh, yeah. Well done, crisis. Oh, it just sounded like Sir Palin. Oh, yeah. You oh, betcha. yeah. Crisis, you <laughs> betcha. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. I still got to watch that Sarah Palin porn that somebody sent to me. I got to watch it while I'm here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Tonight, take a drink every time blank. Anytime. And I'm surprised this hasn't been said already, but the economy. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody said that. Economy, the 
I mean, it's obvious, but hey, if you're looking to get a blitz, this is the way well, to do it. Yeah. Economy. That's what I'm saying. That one's going to get you. You're not going to be feeling good tomorrow. Let's just right. make no bones. The economy. All right, thank you. We'll do two more, actually. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show tonight. Take a drink every time blank. Well, my thunder got sold a little bit with the word look, and that's a good one because he usually triples it up. So yeah. That's a great one. So the other one I have for Obama is whenever he says, let's be clear. He does so say that a lot. I think a drink would be good. Yeah, he does say that a lot. Well spotted, sir. In fact, Rick, I heard you say, let's be very clear, so I'm going for a shot right now. All right. Well done. Mm-hmm. Start early. Thank you. So how are we going to do this? Are we making a master list? Or are we just going to pick a few of them? Uh, we got a master list here, and then I think we should pick five. Okay. And then we will announce them tonight during the presidential debate, which will air on this station from 6 to 8 p.m. Final call about this. Tonight, take a drink every time blank. McCain uses the wrong word. I'm thinking like my fellow prisoners. All right. You should have to down whatever. You should have to finish whatever your drink is at that point because that's so cringe-inducing you'll need it. Oh, it's horrible. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks. All right, there you go. So that is the master list. And by the way, just so you know, let me uh, see if I can find the, uh, where's the drinking sound here? Uh, let me scroll down. So the drinking sound is this. So tonight, damn it. Hold on a second. I've gone to the wrong bank of sound effects. Okay, so the drinking sound tonight during the final presidential debate uh, with running commentary by Tim Riley, Peter Carlin, and myself is this. So in other words, tonight, whenever uh, one of the candidates says one of the key words, phrases, whatever, you're going to hear this. That is uh, your prompt to drink. That is the indication that you need to take a drink. So here's the master list. Pork barrel, my friends, Americans, uh, this one's Obama, uh, Wall Street, Main Street, nuclear, Obama says, look, McCain says, let me tell you, uh, crisis, the economy, or Obama saying, let's be clear. So uh, I oh, think... I'm, I'm torn between picking look or let's be clear. For uh, for Obama? Yeah. Hey, Tim, what does Obama say more, look or let's be clear? Let's be clear. And, or, and uh, I agree with you, John. Yeah, every time he agrees with McCain? Uh-huh. What about when he calls he him John? Oh, yeah. What about when Obama calls McCain John? Is is McCain going to call him Barack? He, what is what does he usually call he him? Always, he always calls him Senator He's Obama. been saying Senator Obama. Okay. Uh, McCain has been saying Senator Obama, but Obama has been saying John. I'm going to make that one right now. Whenever, he, whenever Obama says John. All right. Well, we'll go to a break. We'll try to figure this out over the break. So this, once again, is the... Uh, now, I said we would do this, so let me play these really quickly into the break. These are our Palin Watch submissions. And I feel like a, a jerk because we, we got these sent to us just forever ago, and I never got to them. Uh, let's see. Palin Watch. We have two of these. Right, let me get the second one loaded up here. And these are, you know, they're okay. I don't know that either of them is really going to be it, and I don't think we're going to have a need for them here in, in a little while. But I'm just going to play these back to back. Here's the first Palin Watch sent to us by our good friend Dante. John McCain has already tapped me and said that's where I want you. With a fanny, it was John McCain who pushed so hard. No, I used to be a bad girl. I got busy in the bathroom at my high school prom. The chance is drill, baby, drill. So, I mean, the points for style there. Scotty J. Yeah, and it's all worth it, by the way, for this opening. This right here. I mean, right there. That's, Mm. you know, I like that. 
And here is the second one. This is from listener Sam. Second submission for a Palin watch. She's a woman, and I'm a woman, and I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. I had five children. She has five. Sisters doing it for themselves, Sarah. I barely knew her. From Alaska. From Alaska. There was that honeymoon period where it looked like she could do no wrong. From Alaska. From Alaska. I barely knew her. Sisters doing it for themselves, Sarah. <laughs> She's a woman, and I'm a woman, and I'm a hockey mom. I had five children. I barely knew her. So, yeah. Hey, there you go. Take a break. Back after this with Tim Riley and more of his news for you. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. The Ministry of Truth around the corner. Don't go anywhere. Rick Emerson radio program. Somebody's asking, what is the drink of choice for tonight? Well, I can't really speak for... Uh, I don't think Peter Carlin will be drinking. Storm brought her on last time. I don't know what uh, Peter's going to be drinking tonight, if anything. Sarah? I'm going to be drinking wine. All right. Are you going to be watching this with uh, friends, loved ones? Yeah, I'm going to go over uh, to Lisa Woods. I'm going to watch it with her and her husband and Heather. Excellent. All right. You'll be drinking wine of what variety? Um, I don't know. I got a few bottles of it for my birthday, so some kind of red wine. All right, I think it's... Maybe the one that Paddock bought me, that house wine. So Sarah Dillon will be drinking red wine, so, uh, you know, you can use her as a guide or, you know, just whatever. I, I, I get it. You probably do want to choose wisely, though, because just looking at this list of words, so we never really did finalize this, so let me just really quickly. So we're looking for five words for tonight. So I'm thinking every time Obama says John, every time McCain says my friends. My friends, yeah. Uh, and we'll repeat these, by the way, tonight as we get ready to, to do the debate, which is at 6 o'clock tonight with uh, Tim Riley, Peter Carlin, and myself. So we've got Obama saying John, McCain saying my friends. We have Wall Street, Main Street. We're going to do that one again. Wall Street, Main Street. Do we want to do fundamental or the economy? We're going to do the economy. And I say... What about the, what are the things that we were asking what Brock said more? Look or... We had either look or let's be clear. But then we had John, too. I want to have one from each of them. So we for, for Obama, should we say when he says, let's be clear, when he says, look, or when he calls him John? I kind of like, let's be clear. Tim? Let's be clear. All right, so we'll make it, we'll change it to that. So when Obama says, let's be clear, and by the way, don't, don't panic, we'll go over these later on. And I'll post them at the website as well. When Obama says, let's be clear, when McCain says, my friends, when either of them says the economy, when either of them says Wall Street uh, slash Main Street, and then when either of them says... Crisis. So there you go. Drinking game words for tonight. Wall Street, Main Street. The economy. Crisis. When Obama says, let's be clear, or when McCain says, my friends. Mm-hmm. There we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, now. Though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, this is horrific. It was just from California. The daughter and grandson of 84-year-old Tehama County woman, who apparently died in December, have been arrested on suspicion of cashing her retirement and Social Security checks after they allegedly cremated her body at a barbecue grill behind their house. That's no way to go. You can make a movie out of this, said Captain Paul Hooser, attention screenwriters. Catherine Teresa Allman, 50, and her son, 30-year-old Tony Ray, have been arrested on suspicion of embezzlement, elder abuse, and conspiracy. Their bail is only $30,000 each. Well, the uh, downturn of the economy and all. Although the uh, cause of the woman's death may never be known, 
Her daughter and grandson allegedly allowed her body to lie on the bedroom floor for a week until moving into a concrete culvert behind their residence. It had been used by the family as a makeshift barbecue grill, and the last time they used it was to cook a Thanksgiving turkey. After a lengthy interview, Kathleen Ullman told them she and her son had placed the body into the barbecue, cremated it by burning a continuous olive wood fire in the culvert for up to 17 hours. I was going to ask. It Olive even seem, wood makes an exceptionally hot fire. That was going to be my question because it seems like you could maybe get rid of uh, sort of the actual body, but the bones are still going to be there. But yes. olive wood apparently uh, goes to a sufficient temperature to get rid of the bones as well. Uh, I, let's see, what does it say about the book? Kathleen Allman also made a necklace with a portion of her mother's skull. Wow. Which she wore around Holy her neck. Holy God. <laughs> she posted a photograph of herself wearing it on her MySpace. Oh, I have to see oh it my now. Oh, God. What's her name? What's her name? Kathleen Allman. That's A L. Hold on, let's see. Oh, no, my face is acting up, of course. Kathleen. M-O-N. Almond, like the nut? Uh, Two L's, but like the nut. Almond. Now, see, it's not going to be a MySpace. They'll have taken it down, but I'm wondering if there's, like, a cash photo. Kathleen with a K. Almond with two L's. Kathleen Almond with two L's. Uh, Let's see. Skull. This really gets weird. When you place a piece of your mom's skull around your neck, says the sheriff. I'm going... I'm going right to... uh, See, Google Images doesn't show anything. Kathleen Almond and Skull... Let's see, where else could I... Uh... They did find some bones and dental remains. They've been sent to Chico State University. Photo. All right, I'm looking here again. Let's see. Oh, here we go. Wait. I think I may have something here. I mean, I the, the story was just sort of off-putting and weird until you mentioned that she was actually wearing a necklace made out of her mom's skull. Which means I mean, she took apart her mom's head. Yes, it does, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. So we're clear. You know, normally you have to be in like a Norwegian death metal band to do these sorts of things. Let's see. Well, this guy's pretty creepy looking anyway. No, uh, he's no good. No. No, that guy's trouble. Uh, let's see. So I'm. Cop. The cops say, kin incarcerated mom kept checks. All right. So this is a, this is in the Chicoer. dot com. Uh, Chicoer. Chicoer. dot com. Wait. Here we go. Okay. They have a photo actually of the necklace here, and then of the daughter wearing it. I have to enlarge this. Uh, let's see. Is she offering to sell it? This is creepy. Mm-hmm. On the left lies a homemade skull fragment necklace that police believe was fashioned by Kathleen Allman with her mother's remains. And then here's a photo of the daughter wearing it. Now, this is almost, I hate to say this, this is almost impressive, though. Because it's like a perfect circle. Oh, no, it's not this. This is, okay. Yes, this is the skull necklace. But I thought that this little loop thing was from the skull. No, no, it's not. That's not skull. The skull are these little beady things here, almost like it's a rosary. That's got to be the little, the little skull bits right there. Well, that's not nearly so. You could do that with a needle and thread and a hammer. Everybody's going to want one for Christmas. I mean, and a mother, of course. Uh, so She's actually young and pretty. Yeah, and talented. They're good with her hands. Mm-hmm. Well, who says young people don't like to craft? That is fine craftsmanship. Yes, it is. Well, did you hear about the uh, giant pumpkin grown in Pato? It squashed the scales at 1,467 pounds at a regional weigh-in and broke the old state record for the heaviest pumpkin. I'm surprised you didn't go the great pumpkin route just now. The previous Washington state record for the largest pumpkin was 1,420 pounds. That was set in 2004. Taking second place in Sunday's contest was Stan Poof of Puyallup. Third place went to Mike Pop of Polesburg, who brought in a 1,225-pound pumpkin. The largest record for the largest pumpkin was 1,689 pounds. Pounds of pumpkin grown last year in not Washington, but Rhode Island. Better luck next time, you Washingtonian pumpkin growers. Here's something I wonder about. Every time we have one of these contests, and it is every year around this time, because they do the biggest pumpkin, then I think they do the biggest turkey, and then... Pumpkin chicken? I mean, yeah, and then they do, but then, like, biggest cranberry or, you know, whatever. 
Uh, I always wonder why they don't take these guys who are growing the world's biggest pumpkins and send them to countries that are suffering from famine and starvation or whatever. Clearly, they've got a handle on it. Or drop pumpkins from helicopters. That's exactly what we should do, Tim. Let's drop 1,200-pound pumpkins to the starving people below. Look at them gather. You're a bad person, Tim Riley. I'm just trying to be thoughtful. And we appreciate it. Would you like to hear uh, Sarah Palin speaking in New Hampshire? I, I would. All right, I this, wonder if kind of, that one doesn't work. Well, let's see if this plays. Hopefully this is buffered. New Hampshire was just like Alaska. This is from today. This is Sarah Palin speaking in Dover, New Hampshire. In Dover, New Hampshire. All right, so here we go. This is Sarah Palin, vice presidential candidate, speaking in New Hampshire today. I like being here because it seems like, and in our last rally, too, and... Other parts around this great Northwest. Here in New Hampshire, you just get it. And I know that you'll all agree that America can't afford another big spender in the White House. Wow. And the best part is that the crowd boos her, and she either doesn't notice or just doesn't care or is so used to it oh, that you she know plunges she on ahead. Here's a longer cut. Let's see what she does. That's wonderful. People of New Hampshire also, because, you know, you seem to be a lot like the people of Alaska. Who cheers that? So independent. And a few things that we have in common. I know you guys love your good moose hunting also. And we, we both enjoy, we so enjoy the great outdoors and the clean air and the fresh water and the abundant wildlife, our great lands, our great fishing, being in this great outdoors. And we both, Alaskans, and you all I know, take seriously your state's motto, live free or die. What are they called? New Hampshireans? That's correct. See, I can run for my president. Group, we do support and we love John McCain, who also lives by that motto. So thank you for supporting John McCain. Darn, they took that part out. Really? Oh, I've got Keep it yours. right. Keep yours. I like being here because it seems like, and in our last rally, too, and other parts around this great Northwest, here in New Hampshire, <laughs> you just get it. <laughs> You know what that is right there, that sound? That's the murmuring of the townspeople in some sort of courtroom sequence where the, the damning testimony has been brought up, you know. That's like when a Clarence Darrow has made some particularly condemning point during the Scopes Monkey Trial or something. And Isn't it true that it could be six million years? And then everybody goes, murmur, 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 murmur. And other parts around this great Northwest. Here in New Hampshire, you just get it. I like being here. And I know that you all are... Wait, what's happening? Oh, it was playing again. All right. Wait, let me let me play. Let me back up one more time. This great Northwest here in New Hampshire, you just get it. <laughs> and I know that you'll all agree that America can't afford another big spender in the White House. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm gonna miss her. All right. Well, what can you do? Anything else happening that uh, I don't know. Uh, well, we have to break here in a second. Uh, well, time to talk about this dog thing. I had a question for you guys about dogs, but we'll have to do it tomorrow probably. Well, 
Dog problems will be here tomorrow. I was going to say, I can yeah, I mean, we have a couple minutes. Problems, I can ask tomorrow. I can ask today. Dog not the pro- today. problem's okay. not going to be solved. Well, let's solve the dog problem today. Well, I don't know if we can solve it. Oh, by the way, speaking of dog problems. So, you know, we were going to have the dog whisperer on, and then that didn't happen for any number of reasons and whatever. So I was telling Lara about that. I'm like, yeah, we were going to have... This is actually as we were discussing Philo, you know, our, our dog and his, his this issue. And she said, well, what about that dog whisperer guy you were going to have him on? I'm like, ah, it's not going to happen, baby. It's, it's not, not going to take place. And then she goes and she gets this, like, the grubby post-it note off the fridge. And she goes, well, here's somebody that a friend of mine knows. And I said, who? And she goes, well, she's like a local dog whisperer type. And I said, oh, okay. And she goes, and she does it over the phone, <laughs> which is great. Like, which is, and I said, well, what do you mean? She talks to you. She goes, no, no, no. She whispers to the dogs over the phone. Apparently, she's very good. And that's the great thing about my my wife is really smart, but then occasionally you'll get these moments, sort of a WTF, kind of an airlock in her thought process kind of moment. So I'm almost tempted to actually call the woman and have her, quote, whisper to the dog over the phone to see if it has the desired effect. But this discussion came about because we're talking about Philo, who is, I think right now, about four and a half months old, and who is just terrified of everything. Everything. I mean, he's just an absolute scaredy cat of Every single thing. I, I mean, and not just, uh, you know, not just big stuff like a door slamming. I mean, just any small noise, a noise on the television. If anybody, like if we're, if we're in the living room watching TV or whatever, and Philo's sort of laying on the, on the rug of the living room, if one of us gets up to go to the bathroom or the kitchen or something, as soon as you get up and you start walking, he immediately is terrified and just like sort of jumps back into a far corner. So, and you know, as I said, we got him from... Uh, from this, uh, you know, for this place that specializes in dogs that were kind of, you know, abandoned or mistreated or whatever. So he's got. But my question is, so how does the, how does one solve that? If you got a dog that's just like just terrified of everything, and we kind of got him, he was that way. So what does one do about that? How does one solve that problem? Tim, maybe you do need a dog whisperer. Yeah, it does sound like a big problem. It sounds like you probably need to learn how to socialize him. But I don't. But uh, I'm not really sure what that. I mean, is it, did we just like let him hang out with other dogs, or yeah, we I mean, got Max? Be nice. Yeah, it's better if you leave him with other dogs. Really? That's the only way to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Is that gonna? In, now, it would, in your opinion, will that cure him being afraid of sort of just everything? Because again, it's. Uh, I think it's probably just time. Too. Literally, like we will literally be sitting on the sofa, and he'll be sort of there, either like on our laps on the floor, and somebody on television will go like. You know, hey, you there. And he just immediately freaks out, like even at just a loud noise coming off the TV. Mm-hmm. So I'm, not, I'm just not quite sure how to deal with that. So anyway, having asked the question, I now realize it was for naught. Well, it never hurts to ask. That is true. One more time before we break, let me just... I like being here because it seems like, and in our last rally too, and other parts around this great Northwest, here in New Hampshire, you just get it. <laughs> America can't afford another big spender in the White House. Back after this. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. Like us next. Don't forget tonight the final presidential debate, 6 p.m., friends and neighbors. 6 p.m. tonight with wraparound commentary by CNN Radio. I do believe it's Dick Uliano. And then, of course, Tim Riley, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian, and uh, myself, we will be doing a running commentary during tonight's debate. Isn't that right, Tim? The most special of special guests. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. So special that they're... So special that then to use your names... Guest? Yeah, it would have been to cheapen you, Tim. Uh, and so forth. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, hey. Hey, Rick. Um, listen, the reason that Sarah Palin was getting booed there is she was in New Hampshire, and if you listen to the clip, 
She says the great northwest. By God, you're right. And, and no wonder they're booing her. She yes. doesn't even know where she is. And so, Tim, did you say it's New Hampshireans? Yes. All right. See, there you go. All without having to be told. I knew that. All right. Excellent. Yes. Good catch. Thank you. Hey, shout out to all the postal workers. Woo! All right. And I want to take a second to thank Helen. For yes. All her I want to thank Helen, today. too. She gave me a wonderful card and a book. As do I. Uh, our listener, Helen, came by with a late birthday present for Sarah and then brought Tim and I some lovely things as well. She gave Sarah five cards. Five cards oh. and some gloves and some apples. She gave me a... a and she gave me a book and a very nice, it's a, a, a little DVD of some of uh, the musical performances from Ed Sullivan's program. Outstanding. So, I don't know. Um, and whatnot. All right. It's 503733. Oh, and he's gone. All right. Ow. I'm sorry. I got that thing What I, did you do to your finger? Remember I was in the garden taking Max. I had to take Max out in the middle of the night and I slipped. And it was the same night I cracked my head on the side of the house. But I, on the way down, uh, I caught my uh, hand on the edge of the house or on the, something. And I, anyway, uh, I messed up my like my pinky finger and my right hand. I just like I, I kind of tore a chunk of it off. And so that sounds painy. You should wear one of your ba- uh, bacon band-aids. Well, see, and I was doing that that TV thing that I can't talk about. And I was like, okay, band-aid or no band-aid, band-aid or no band-aid. I couldn't quite figure it out. And I almost went with the bacon band-aid just to be kooky, but then I didn't. But now every time I clap, my hands hurts. Don't forget, we'll be back at 6 p.m. tonight. Tim Riley, news director for AM970, Peter Carlin, TV critic for the Oregonian, and me, Rick Emerson, uh, here for running commentary during tonight's final presidential debate. That's 6 o'clock tonight, right here, kids. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM970, the talker of the newsroom, Tim Riley, and the phones, Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, and, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Donat with me, Reynolds. We want to thank Ben Bailey from Cash Cab, uh, as well as Mr. Skin, Lisa Desjardins, and Dick Uliana. See you tonight uh, for the debate, 6 p.m. Like us next. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. Bye now. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. She is a typical white person.